Hank Rodriguez Show, Horror Pot of Horrors. I am indeed your host, Hank Rodriguez, and joining me today, of course, is our co-host horror experts, uh, James Dean. How you doing? Doing fantastic. <laughs> Excited about this episode? Yeah, me too. And of course, Derek O. How you doing today, sir? Hello, hello. Awesome. All right, so yeah, so we are revisiting uh, the 80s uh, horror, horror, uh, horror movies today, top 10 list. Because uh, apparently I suck at knowing what a horror movie is. That's not why we're reading that's, this. That's not. <laughs> Don't get all email on us. Just, just like our last episode, all about sequels, where we're doing the sequel to the 80s movie. I know. Yeah. I'm just so, kidding. Um, no horror Jason this time. <laughs> no horror Jason. Well, no, you were saying They Live isn't a horror movie. No, it's not. It's a sci-fi action film, but it's fine. <laughs> Nobody's... Potato, potato. Yeah. We're just splitting hairs. Yeah, look. Well, I mean, James is splitting hairs. He's, look, guys. If you, I mean, we could do a, I mean, we could do just an open genre, uh, 80s exploitation. We can do whatever you want. But if you're going to do Call of the Horror podcast, it should be horror. <laughs> well, you know what? Let's uh, let's put it to a, a poll here. Ladies and gentlemen, listening to this awesome horror pot of horror, let us know. Is Day Live a horror movie or not? And I'm talking to you, Czech Republic. We're waiting. <laughs> That's right. We know that you know, and we want your opinion. And we want we we uh, we value your opinion here and, on the horror pot of horror. And for all our friends in Switzerland, we know you can't answer because you're neutral. So, uh, <laughs> kidding. You guys rock. I love your hot chocolate. Do you know it was my dream when I was uh, in my like late teens, early twenties? I wanted John Carpenter to make a movie where Kurt Russell and Roddy Piper were brothers. <laughs> fighting monsters together. I feel like that was a missed opportunity, having Kurt Russell and Roddy Piper play yeah. siblings. That would have been great. Kicking all of the ass. Like, wholesale ass. No bubblegum. Just what, ass what kicking. What if there was just a, a connector where Snake Plissken was the son, yes. of, was the son of Roddy Piper and you yes. didn't know it because it's in the future? Sure. I love, <laughs> word, I love the escape movies. Stop, Stop trampling on my ideas. I, I love just, the escape. They're uh, so corny and they're amazing. Yeah, the fact that he had to play basketball. I sent uh, uh, <laughs> Derek went to uh, L.A. and I sent him a. Hey, did a, you try Del Taco? I did not try. Oh, it. sorry, man, but I did go to uh, missed opportunity. I did go to Danny Trejo's Tacos. Oh Trejo's yeah, tacos. Trejo's uh, Tacos. Yeah, which I was like, this is a joke. I was in the I was in the airport. And it was like they're legit, dude. Yeah, it was like before the. Uh, I it was pretty early. It was like breakfast time, but I was like. How can I not go to Trejo's Tacos? I got out of line at Einstein Bagels, went over to Trejo's Tacos, and was like, I'm going to order one because this has to be legit. Um, and it was. Yeah, it, it was. was good. They were pretty good tacos, I will say. So. Rip Del Taco. Yeah. Anyway, so what did y'all watch this week, guys? Um, so I watched one series and one movie this week. I saw the movie Countdown. It's about the app that tells you when you're going to die. I don't even know if I've heard of that. Well, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is this is what I like to call a, a time killer. If you have nothing to do and you're just waiting to do something, you come down and sit, sit and watch this movie. And I think that uh, if I had had that app, it would tell me I was going to probably die like an hour and 30 minutes into this movie. <laughs> um, because it's so dumb. And it, <laughs> The concept was great, but I feel like I don't think anybody that I could think of, or any movie that I could think of, and viewers, listeners, if you have any ones out there, tell me about them, um, that has successfully done a killer app, like, movie, at all. It had great premise, like, you download yeah. it, and basically it counts down, it's like this cursed app, 
but no backstory. Like, I want a little bit. Don't give me the whole farm, but tell me a little bit about, like, how this curse tab came to be. Not that it just randomly appeared on your phone. And, like, or and, and yeah, and it. why is it on the, the marketplace still? Yeah. And, and Well, that's the thing. is like you can't, you can't delete it. You can't. It's, like, all it's coded. Um, the only best part of this movie was uh, PJ Byrne, who plays, uh, he's kind of the... Kind of geeky guy in a lot of movies. He was in the last Final Destination movie. He played kind of a, a, a scumbag. Um, but he's this, like, priest who's, like, obsessed with, like, demons. Um, and is, like, obviously tell he's not part of the normal cloth. He's, like, the defunct priest that nobody goes to. So he's really excited. He's like, yeah, demons, rock on. But, I mean, the deaths were, you know, kind of okay. I mean, they are a little graphic, you know. But, um, yeah, that was pretty much pretty much it. Out of five Derek beards, how many how many do you give it? <laughs> I, I feel like this would be maybe at best a handlebar mustache. <laughs> I mean, it didn't even it didn't even gain go to the beard category. It didn't even, you know what? It didn't even get a soul patch. <laughs> that says a lot. Um, that's rough. So, One solid Fu Manchu. Yeah, no solid Fu Manchu. Uh, yeah, but I did watch a show on Netflix called uh, Daybreak. Which is kind of like, I would say it's more like the vein of horror comedy. Yeah. But I don't know if you get a chance to watch it yet. Or no, not. I was actually concerned watching it this week and I saw the trailer for it. Like, I was pretty fun. Yeah. Actually, like, it kind of reminded me, I want to say like Zombieland a little bit. Like, That's it kind of is a mashup of a lot of different TV shows. If I took, um, they have another show where all the parents disappear, but it's more dramatic on that show. The population or something like that. I don't, I don't fucking know. Because um, <laughs> I didn't like it. And if you take that and you take, uh, like, a sci-fi TV show, um, like Z Nation, and you combine it with, like, a teen comedy, like, and you wrapped it all into one, like, you would have this show. It's fun to watch. I will tell you, like, it is definitely geared more towards, like, the teen element. Yeah, that's what it looks like. I, I only got through the first, like, five episodes. Um, they're about 45 minutes long. That was enough for me. But I told my daughter about it yesterday. And woke up today, and she's like, oh, my God, I watched the whole series. And I'm like, you obviously, A, did not sleep. Um, and B, apparently, really liked it. That's good. Awesome. Um, but I thought it was solid. They call their, they don't call them zombies. They call them ghoulies, which I thought was kind of funny. Because we were just talking about ghoulies not that long ago. Copyright. Uh... Uh, copyright, yeah. Um, but, yeah, those were really the two that I, I watched this week. I did watch um, just some old school, like, Hall- the, some of the Halloween movies just for fun. Um, downloaded them for the plane ride, so... There you go. That was good, man. What about you? I watched a shit ton of movies. <laughs> Literally, my uh, all I did with my weekend was watch movies um, and I just avoid all of my responsibilities. Mm, um, but I watched yes. a ton of stuff I'd seen a million times. I watched Vampire Circus. I watched uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, Leatherface, the 1990 Leatherface, not the Ooh. like prequel one that came out in the 2000s. Oh, with uh, Steven Dorff? Yeah. Um, so I watched uh, Leatherface. I watched Wrong Turn 1 and 2. I actually watched, I think I watched a lot of things like because of conversations we had. Yeah. Um, so some of the new stuff I actually ended up watching was I watched Hellfest, which I loved, which was really good. Yeah. Uh, right. You the know, it was good, right? The like, ending I mean, is so yeah. perfectly creepy yeah. and kind of weirdly realistic because, like, you know, a lot of... Well, I don't want to ruin it. Anyways, the, the ending was great. Um, it was legitimately kind of creepy, especially at the point where you don't know, like... They kind of give you a couple swerves and stuff a little bit in the movie. Um, yeah, uh, like the, uh, the whole... That's what the whole guillotine scene. Like, yep. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I did hate the movie. Did suffer though from another thing, which is like unlikable. Like that, like 
whole group of people. Yeah, like, yeah, I fucking did not care about them. Yeah, I like the girl and her boyfriend, yeah. and of course the boyfriend, the nice guy, <laughs> gets a ballot. He's the first one to go. Nice guys uh, get get finished first. But you know, for those of us that have gone to like haunts and attractions like that, especially like the big ones, the not scary farms, like the big, you know, Halloween Horror Nights, like. And, you know, just when you go there, it's like, ooh, I wonder if there'd be a killer. Everybody's had that thought. So having yeah. it in a movie that was pretty well made, well shot. <coughs> um, what I thought was kind of cool is that it was, uh, it wasn't like one specific location, like, mm -hmm. that the killer was targeting. He was targeting a couple other places, too. Yeah. So kind of. Well, that, I mean, the, the, this, scene, like, the very end, like you said, the, the end of it's very, it was like, oh, I like yeah, that. Like, well, because even though you showed him in the beginning, like, he is a different. Well, yeah, different mask, like which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. Was a, it was a good concept. It was know? a great like I could definitely see that becoming a sequel or like a franchise. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And then the other one I watched new. I mean, I, 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 I all I not kidding. I, I watched probably like a dozen movies this week, um, but was um, Happy Death Day two. Oh, cool. Um, which I thought like I, again the cast is so likable. She's yeah. so likable. She's so funny. Yeah. There's some really great moments in it, like when she like. Like, when she's, like, forget... And that was something I just, like, thought in the first movie. was like, if you're just trying to figure this out, just wait and wait... Instead of waiting for the dude to kill you, just kill yeah. yourself and wake up. But um, when she, like, ju like jumps out of the airplane yeah. and, like, gives the double birds yeah. in slow motion. <laughs> my, my favorite one's when she uh, she's at the grocery store and she, like, sees the old guy in the aisle. She gives him, like, a thumbs up and then drinks the Drano. And yeah. he's like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> runs off. Just a look at that guy's face. He probably just shit himself. I mean, <laughs> it, the... It's, I, it goes so far from being a horror movie. I don't even know what genre. I mean, it's like I guess you could call it like I guess you could fall. I you could categorize that in like the horror Jason Cat. I see it more sci-fi. Yeah, that was a big thing. Is like a lot of people didn't like it because it went more sci-fi than horror. But I think it was okay. Like yeah. I think it wasn't. 100 well, the original horror. one, the killer killing her was a, the major plot point. In this, it was almost like an addendum. The major plot point was trying to get to her. Well, there's like an explanation of the first one. Yeah, and like why the events kept circling back. But then also this whole other story yeah. line as well. Yeah, with the between her, like, does she want to be with her mom or does she want yeah. to live in the reality where she's her boyfriend? Um, the girl who plays the bitch, yeah. uh, I like her so much. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. even think I really like thought about her too much in the first movie, but in this, she was she stole every scene she was in. Like, um, <laughs> yes. uh, it's so silly, and I mean the whole movie is like super silly, but. I know, it was really enjoyable. I did not think I would enjoy it as much as I did. So. Yeah, I, I really liked it too. I was, I was yeah. really disappointed to hear that they weren't going to be able to <coughs> do the third. That they, uh, for the third. Bloomhouse pulled the, the plug on the third one. said, like, it's unlikely to happen. Which was because it was, uh, it was written as a trilogy. So I thought that was kind of crappy. Yeah, that's but, um, they're a fun little like weekend movie launches. I, I would definitely revisit those two films back yeah. to back. I think it'd be fun to watch them concurrent with each other. Like that. Again, I think it's one of the things that where it's like the strength of casting can, can sometimes elevate a film that you know might otherwise not be that grand. But if you put the right people in it, they can help elevate the material. And I definitely think that's you know, and not that the script. I mean, the script is pretty smart and stuff. They had some interesting ideas in it, but thankfully the character, like you know, the boyfriend character was really likable. The, like, nerdy science kids, those three kids were really yeah. likable. Like, his, his friend yeah. was really likable. Yeah, they're all really likable, uh -huh. so that's good. Yeah, it was, it was really, honestly, like, there wasn't, even, even, the, even the bitchy girl, Danielle, like, she wasn't somebody, like, you totally disliked. Mm -hmm. um, there should be more character, like, character combinations like that yep, that's within other movies. I thought it'd be great. Once you speak in French, you're so yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. You were listening to Horror Pod Corners uh, <laughs> this past weekend. Well, no, that's great, guys. I, that's, that's pretty cool, that, this little segment. 
Uh, but segueing into that, again, James, thank you for very much. I know it's a podcast and no one can see you, but you are dressed for 80s horror discussions. I, this time, uh, like I said uh, before we started, this time I was like, I am going to come dressed. I have to wear my I Heart 80s uh, horror hat. I had to wear a shirt that is relevant to one of the films on my list. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I did for you. Well, Tank. thanks, guys. I, thanks, James. I really do appreciate that. Uh, Derek, you know, feel free to, well, you know, start dressing up like I, James, you I know. Was, I was going to. Uh, <laughs> it was laundry day today, so um, I didn't. No, it's one, okay. One thing that you didn't mention, which has been kind of plagued me for month, almost a year now, is that we also... <laughs> Until I met you, I didn't know anybody else that dressed like Cactus Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Cactus Jack from wrestling, yeah. Mankind, Mick Foley. But specifically, the sleeveless red flannel was sort of my gimmick. And then I used to see you walking around wearing it. And I'd be like, oh, come on. We already do. <laughs> we literally look like a tag team. And, and honestly, I would, I would be like wearing a trucker hat and, and the red flannel. And they were like, hey, James. And I'd turn around and I'm like, I'm not James. Like, I'm not. <laughs> you, you, went to, you went to one of these, one of like the You're like, charitable events. Assholes. And everybody's like, oh, I thought you were, or no, maybe it was, it was some, some, one of the offsite events. And people were like, oh, I saw you there. Well, how come you didn't say hi? And I was like, I didn't do Oh, that. yeah, because I had, I had the shirt they gave out. Uh-huh. And then I wear the red flannel over it. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, yeah. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Fun. We're, we're yeah. a tag team. We're the, we're the new natural designers. <laughs> That's you, right. You heard it first, folks. Uh, um, segwaying into uh, tag team wrestling. Right, exactly. Uh, really quick before, I, 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 I want to talk a little bit about your hat. Uh, but before that, just a real quick shout out to Janie, who's been listening to our podcast, um, you know, uh, and giving input on it. She loves the fact that uh, we talk horror movies and there's a horror podcast available for her to listen to. So thank you for listening, Janie. Thank hey, you, Janie. Janie. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, she's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so your hat says, I love 80s horror. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think like that is like, that, that is like the the number one like era of horror movies, like to where it kind of transitioned? I think it was so. There's been so I think like seventies horror sort of reinvented horror since mm-hmm. the golden age of horror, which was the Hammer or the Universal horror, you know, the horror from the thirties and forties, um, and then like the stuff that like William Castle was doing. In the fifties and sixties, and Roger Corman, but like you had the the heyday, the golden era, which was uh, the Universal Monsters, but you hadn't seen it become as popular for like two decades straight. It was sort of like something like you know wasn't in mainstream theaters, as in like you know grindhouse cinemas and exploitation right. theaters in a lot of drive-throughs. But in the eighties, you had this second wave of the big like pop culture boom mm-hmm. with like the Jasons and the Freddies and the Chuckies and what have you. And technology. And technology. And like I said, I think I mentioned in an earlier podcast, I think what one of the things that really helped the genre was the advent of the home theater systems mm-hmm. with the VHS and the beta. Um, because one, people, you know, were more people watching movies in their own home that would, they were giving chances to movies that maybe weren't, you know, Back to the Futures right. and the ETs. But then you also had a lot of filmmakers who otherwise in the studio system would never have been able to make a movie. Yeah. You saw people just were trying to churn out movies, cheap, quick, fast budget movies for the home theater market and a lot of those filmmakers because it's been you know while it was like I said for decades it wasn't something that was maybe as prevalent in you know big first run movie theaters um, it's always been a genre that made money because you can make them cheap and turn them around for a quick profit that's why Roger Corman was so you know successful in the 70s but in the 80s it, it took that formula and it started catching on with the mainstream with like Elvira and yeah. like a lot of things really <clears throat> caught on so that's one reason I think the 80s were such a golden age for uh, 
of horror. One of my my I mean, I grew up with it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the one thing is it's 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 it means a lot to me because yeah, it's ingrained. Yeah. But I think one thing that the '80s had that hadn't had in a long time was a sense of fun. You know, um, at the time, ham, the or the I keep saying Hammer. Oh, at the time, the Universal <laughs> Studio Monsters MC came Hammer. out. The films themselves so tried to take themselves very seriously, um, uh, and rightfully so. You know. Um, but the thing that the 80s had that I think was just like a, a sense of humor about themselves. I mean, the whole, some of the biggest characters, whether the Chuckies or the Freddies, they actually almost became comedy characters. Like, they became like so self-referential yeah. and stuff. They were the uh, <coughs> Abbott and Costello of, of horror. Yeah. Except yeah. they were killing people, not running for yeah. people. Yeah. It was the first time, you know, in a long time where people were rooting for the monsters. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I, and, the, and which will come to my list, uh, will be very relevant, is the fact that like, again, what I really enjoyed about the, 80s horror is that you had a lot of great directors who were doing wacky things or like you know taking far out concepts and making them into like fun accessible films yeah um you know it it was a great decade for like big budget horror and low budget horror um and everything in between then studios like full moon and trauma and like these like um sidebar like uh, like what you consider b movies um back in the day, but they were just turning them out left yeah. and right. I don't know how many, probably like when I was renting movies like back in the 80s, like I probably saw like more Full Moon yeah. features and like any other like well, new like, line. Well, like Full Moon's a great, really interesting, like yeah. Full Moon's really interesting because they actually, he was smart enough to, he owned all these distribution, he made all these distribution companies like Wizard Video and all these different releasing companies because he knew People needed, wanted, all these mom and pop video stores started popping up and he knew they needed films. So he created all these different like VHS distribution companies and production companies and basically seemed like a much bigger company than he was. And VHS, com- or, uh, you know, rental places just started ordering everything out of the catalogs because <laughs> like, oh, this must be a big, big real yeah. deal production company. It's like 10 movies in here yeah. like this week. Yeah. Wow. Um, I think special effects too were like, exactly. were another piece of it as well. Like people were, Really, just taking huge risks with special effects, and huge I would risks. say mo- most of the time it paid off. Yep. When you saw these on the screen, you get rid of the strings. Yeah, I mean yeah. it was CGI's. Yeah. You know, I mean people were. I mean just the, the concepts alone, and I, and I hate to use like Nightmare on Elm Street as an example because I know it's more mainstream, mm-hmm. but just hearing the effects that went into like the the thought that went into doing the Johnny Depp blood sequence, like you know, literally filling, making a room that spins upside down. You know, yeah. that literally, and this thing was so, from from what Wes Craven said, it was so counterbalanced because of the fact that there was so much blood that that room was just fucking spinning all over the place. <laughs> it inadvertently and accidentally created that effect, but it wasn't the intended effect. So, yeah. like, people were trying stuff. It was failing in some cases, but it worked out well. You know, the whole right. kind of an arrow in the throat. Well, that's know, the thing is, is, you know, blowing blood through the through the hole... I mean, that's like a would be considered a fail, but it worked, and it's an iconic scene. So, I mean, a couple of things that really play into that. One was like you had the advent of like jo- like seventies cinema, which went from like kind of like independent film, the real birth of independent film, and then Jaws came out and sort of created the modern blockbuster. But it was horror, and one thing that you know you touched upon was that like outside of like Dick Smith in the forties, like. Nobody knew who special effects people were until the 80s. And then you had guys like Savini and Rick Baker and all these people who had become superstars in their own right. right. Like if you heard it, Rick Baker was working on this movie, 
You wanted to go see the movie because right. this is the guy that did American Werewolf in London and made the most amazing transformation sequence. Yeah. So you would go buy Fangora magazine and you would read about special effects artists, which that wasn't a thing. In, I mean, right. what, you had no idea. These guys were like before that time were like, they were behind the scenes. They were the drummers of the band. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like nobody, you know. Nobody gave a shit. They were the bassists of the <laughs> band. They were, they, they were the roadie of the band. Yeah, you know, nobody you gave go. a shit. Like nobody cared that they set it all up. Yeah. But yeah, to, That's a, yeah, to James's point, like, you know, guys like Rick Baker, who like literally revolutionized the whole like idea of like transmorphic like animatronics yeah. by using like inflatable bags to create like the transformation of the wolf face in American Werewolf of London. I mean, that's a, who thinks of that? Like right. that, that's batshit crazy if you think about like who sits around and figures out ideas that you can use like you know, but bags behind latex to like yeah. push out a face to make it look like a werewolf face, and it's unbelievably done if you watch it. No CGI. And that's the thing you know, is. That special effects, which is like 35 years old or whatever, that holds up better than 95% of special effects you will see. Like, I've seen a million werewolf transformations since then. None of them have surpassed it. Nope. Not even Twilight. Not even Twilight. <laughs> Just, I mean, shockingly <laughs> close. <laughs> D plus. Also, James's oh, favorite movie. <laughs> also, a plug real quick, not to, uh, I know we're talking about 80s stuff, but stuff we watched this week. You and I have been watching uh, the Creepshow series. That's good. Which has been awesome. Yeah. Um, did you see last week's episode? I think I've seen them all. Maybe. Did I miss one this... This was the Monkey Paw one? Oh, Thursday? shit. This Thursday? was this Thursday? Did yeah. I watch it? I might have missed this week. Oh, all right. I won't because say I was uh, doing stuff for my... Uh... Yeah. And that's another great 80s movie that segued into... What a great TV show, but if you like the stuff that came out of the 80s, like it's a great yeah. show to watch because it is very much has a lot of respect for like 80s horror. Um, that's in there, so yep, absolutely, it's a good, uh, good yeah. Make a note of that right now, yeah. <laughs> yeah Song Shutter, it is to my in my opinion, it is well worth the uh, the $5.99 a month if yeah. you like horror movies. Get Shutter, it's worth the five, five ninety nine a month to pay for like what you can watch in there. Shutter sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I like about the show too is like that you for a show that has like zero budget to work with, they find really creative ways of using the that creep show format. Whether using like the comic book pages as trend, like they they do a lot of like smart decisions to work with a low budget yeah. to make a really effective show. It reminded me, it reminds me a lot, of, I mean, obviously a lot of creep show, but it has elements of Tales from the Crypt, which yeah. I really liked. Oh, of course, watching. yeah. Watching, and you know, obviously that, that show has not come back. Um, I know they've been trying for years to reboot it, and Madeline Shyamalan was going to do something different with it, and they did, a, they did try to do a reboot up, like to try to do a segue of it, it was like Tales of the Weird or something like that, yeah. right? The science one, Sexy Robot, but I... Yeah, it never took off, but this is like a great combination. So if you like Hills from the Crypt or Creep Show, like you gotta check it out. It's well worth it. So just reminded me of that Tales of Crypt episode when that when that guy is actually having sex with that fembot or that robot and he gets stuck and his wife finds out. One of my favorite episodes. Anyway. <laughs> oh, Can right. we just also well, just as the as the local also cartoonist and comic book aficionado, also people, uh, go go check out some of the incredible EC comics collections that have come out. Um, some uh, two different companies, including Dark Horse, have been putting out beautiful hardcover collections of these brilliant world-changing comics from the 50s that EC Comics have put out. Information in the, uh, in yeah, the so description. Look at Support comics. Re yeah. Actually, read comics. Don't just go see the Joker movies, please. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, comics, comics are great. Yeah, um, yeah comics are... Yeah, EC should. Comics are some of the scariest, most hardcore things you'll ever see, and they were yeah. comics for kids produced yeah. in the 50s. Uh, yeah. Vault, Vault of Horror. I remember I, I used to go to this flea market down the road from my house, and this guy would always have them. I, I wish I saw the value at the time of those comics, but... 
I would I would buy a ton of them. Yeah, Some of the they best artists to ever work. Spend hours yeah. hours in, in comic book yeah. shops, and, and it was really quick too. And, and to your I mean to, to your note, uh, Killing Joke the the story mm-hmm. uh, the comic so much better than the animation movie. Yeah. The animated movie it was horrible. It. Animated movie was horrible. It was the dog shit. Twisted. It is. Yeah. It really was. Uh, that I mean um, the artwork in that book by Brian Bolland. Yeah, masterpiece. It, it was beautiful. I don't, I don't know. Speaking of the eighties. James, you ever watch the uh, TV show the Amazing Stories? Of course, that was on. My favorite episode of that one, just being a horror <laughs> nerd, is the uh, the one where the, the guy creates the combination like of liquid inadvertently that brings things from the magazine pages to life. Oh yes, um, and, uh, and he eventually sp- spills it on the Fangoria magazine. Yep. with like the screamer on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all time my all time favorite. I always wish <laughs> I, I had that a... guy for like I would spill it all over the Fangoria. I would be. I, I would have spilled it on different magazines. That's what he was trying. Yeah, to exactly. Yeah. That's what he was but also fangirl. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, but, actually, did you watch? the you ever watch the old TV show Monsters? Yes, I used to love that show. Yeah, Link- I used to watch it after hours, like because it was like it was sometimes on and it had boobs in it. Um, well, there was Monster. I mean, Tales from the Dark. I mean, there's just there were uh, so many Tales like, from the Dark, yeah. which has, I don't know why this was. It, Monsters was always on late. It was always kind of the weird. Um, I remember at one point in time, it was there was actually the. Uh, uh, Freddy's Nightmares. Freddy's Nightmares. Um, <laughs> which there's only, I think, one episode, which I think was the Christmas one that actually has Freddy in it. Was that the, uh, yeah, well, I mean, he was always doing the intro and then he but did the, uh, none of the stories had anything to do with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. No, it was just like, they were always stories. like, yeah, Freddy was, yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of like, a lot of nudity. Yeah. Apparently they had no, like, they had limited budget and, Limited script approval. Well, they killed it on the nudity. Yeah. <laughs> nudity That's budget. Right. But I remember, like, that would go be on that show, and then, like, Monsters would be right after that. Um, so they had some... It, oh, man, what a golden age. And they had a, that weird Friday the 13th TV show, too. Yep. Yeah, TV's not the same. Um, which I actually kind of like that one. So. Do you remember She-Wolf? That was the only show I liked. Anyways. Yes. All right. Anyway. Right. So we're probably getting into this list, or we're going to go... Remember? This is going to be a three-part episode. <laughs> That's right. Do you remember that time? <laughs> well, uh, we, we I guess we'll jump into it. It's 80s Revisited Part 2. Uh, just a little note here, guys. Um, me being the resident horror expert above y'all, obviously, <laughs> uh, I went ahead. <laughs> I, I, I did a deep dive on some of y'all's movies, uh, okay. uh, some of y'all's selections. Uh, the are tanks tidbits, uh, so uh, like TTB, okay. if, if you will. Right. Um, so if you hear me interrupting you, it's just a TTB, guys. Uh, all right, a little TTB for yourself. That's, that's right. If there's nudity, they're tidbits. Yeah. <laughs> they're tidbits. tidbits. <laughs> I call it TDB from my dirty toilet seat one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so just a, just a, uh, so just a, a fun fact of information about some of y'all's movies that y'all picked. Uh, I will say for the audience, um, there is one that y'all have in common, and that's actually pretty good. Uh, I, I think last time y'all had like two or two or three two, or yeah, like those like two, two is the most we've ever had. Yeah, I think yeah. two is the most we've ever had. Um, and then usually, usually see honorable mentions. Yeah, and and similar. I said it, I said it before we started recording. And, and again, it, it just speaks to y'all's taste. It's similar, but as far as like where it's ranked, it's always you know if Derek has it on his list, it's at the top, and then James will have it at the bottom. And if James has you know and vice versa, that's how it obviously that's obviously how it works. Uh, of course. And so it's, it's definitely interesting to see y'all's taste. So uh, who wants to go first? I think you went last time. So yeah, you go, go first. Okay. So there is a there is a, a TTB. So if you just want to announce the name, and I'll give you a, a little tidbit on that movie, on that one. Okay, well, let me, before I name no, the you, you, you Okay, go ahead. Because this is important to me. Because it is. as the hat says, like, this could <laughs> be, we, we could literally just have a whole pop weekly podcast just about 80s horror movies. So Probably. 
And a lot of my favorites have been mentioned on this podcast, you know, multiple times. Um, again, it's it's the the decade was just rife with uh, cinematic brilliance. So what I tried to do with this list was come up with ones that I love personally. That one we haven't discussed before, which is like kind of always the hard part. It's just kind of coming up with something new. Yeah. But ones I love that I think the majority of people who listen to this either ha- probably haven't seen. And should, or probably maybe is one of their favorites that they don't really get a lot of, like, shout-outs for. So that was sort of what I decided with my list. Now, my number 10, though, which should actually be, if I was doing this ranked, would be much closer to my number 3, number 2, number 1. Okay. Um, is the movie Night of the Demons. That's on my list. I know. That's, that's yeah, okay. Uh, that is not the one that I thought was that we were going to have in common. So, so that actually, and, that, and that's rare too because mm-hmm. you said it was, it was, it was going to be higher. So that's like the, this is our first time or two. Because you know where I am? Number three. No. That's my number three spot. This is number I, I three. I did put him in order. And so the first tank tidbit about this is about the script. Uh, uh, Joe Augustine's original script opened with a priest blessing the audience so they wouldn't be affected by the demonic presence <laughs> they were about to see. That's Despite not being a horror fan, uh, Tanae found it too corny. Hmm. Tidbit of the day for that hey, movie. There you go. That's a great tidbit. That's but great. I think that would have been great opening That's that so movie. So William Castley, though. That's, I kind of like that. That's funny. <laughs> I've never heard that, too. Huh. I've never heard You're that. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And that, that is why you were just a step above the rest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Poor God. Tank. Poor God. About um, to you. So, uh, my, so I, cho- I started my list off with one that I think like is an all-time classic. It's so 80s. Um, it's got, you know, one of my favorite, especially underappreciated, uh, horror villainesses, villains in Angela. Um, it's got Stooge, who's got to be my spirit animal, uh, which <laughs> I've been trying to go as Stooge for Halloween for years. We have a very similar uh, build, but, um, uh, he's such an asshole, but so like over the top, um, his fashion is on point, but yeah, I mean, the movie's great. The soundtrack is great. Um, it's got this thing I love, which may be brought up on later films in this thing, where I love when when people when they're like sort of trapped in the area where they can't get away from right. demonic forces. Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, the cast is great. The music is great. It's got some great memorable special effects. Knowing it's number three, I don't want to go too much because I'm sure there's things you want to touch upon. Some really weird moments in it that affected me as a kid that I still like. What? But the opening sequence, um, dude, the little brother in this movie though. Can we just talk about... He's got to be one of the best asshole little brothers. First, I... He's a real little shit. Man. Yeah, my old... For years, my uh, my background in my Facebook profile page was uh, Bodacious Booby Sis. <laughs> uh, which is always a, a fun time. But yeah, it's, it's it's a classic. It's the opening, the opening um, credit. Um, it's just a great movie, man. I'm sure a lot of... If you like horror, you've seen it. Um, but definitely, if you haven't seen it, it's just so much fun. Um, it's got Linnea Quigley. Yep. It's it just, you can't go wrong. It's a fun time. Which means there's boobs in it. There's boobs and butts. Yeah. Lots of butts. And, I uh, and I, I'd mentioned the line before, but uh, the, uh, anyway, sour balls. Anyways, it's fun. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my number 10. Yes. I don't want to go too far into it. No, you're good. So, my number 10... Um, it's it's one of my favorite for a couple reasons. Um, it is Chopping Mall. I don't know. Anytime you can combine killer robots and a mall um, together is a great combination. And I remember passing by the video this video a million times in the video store, and I thought it was a totally serial killer movie. 
Just because the cover has like just a bag of like parts. Yep. Um, and I thought it was like a zombie hand like at first, but I think no. I realized afterwards like it's a robotic. Which robotic is also hand. doesn't the robot doesn't have limbs, but it's. <laughs> yep. It's um. Has some really great cast. It's got Barbara Crampton in it, mm -hmm. uh, who's like an amazing scream queen. Um, it also has uh, Mr. Futterman from, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Dick, I forget his name. Um, but he played Mr. Futterman from uh, the Gremlins movie. movie. Yeah. Um, which is amazing. Which is in a horror movie, but, uh, yep. but just in case you're wondering. Yep. Uh, <laughs> had the uh, tall man in it. Yep. Um, on top of Dick. that. So it had some. Uh, um, what is Dick? This is going to bother me, but he's a yeah. uh, great character. And it had characters, I guess, uh, I'm trying to think. They was from another movie, but um, it was the, they were in the audience. It was, uh, their character name is Paul and Mary Bland. And I'm trying to think of what movie they were from. Dick Miller. Dick the, Miller. The, was, that, I kept yeah. wanting to say Dick Smith because I just yeah. said Dick Smith. But he, he was like, uh, yeah. He, he great. the iconic line to one of my other favorite podcasts. Bucket of Blood. Podcasts. Star yeah. Bucket of Blood. Bucket of Blood. Um, he's like, those kids are dead meat, you know, which is uh, also the name of another podcast that, yeah. that uh, James A. Janice, if you're listening, I like your podcast. Your kill count's <laughs> awesome. Um, it's just a great cast. But just the idea of these, like, basically kids partying them all and <laughs> violating the code of conduct of these killer robots meant to keep everything in order and just basically shooting the shit out of them with lasers. It was great. The effects weren't amazing. These robots looked like they came out of, uh, you know, something out of Lost in Space. Yeah. Um, but it's just a super fun movie to watch. Like, and when I finally rented it, I was like, "Oh shit! I should have rented this a long time ago." Um, yeah, and the thing is, weirdly, I think the robot designs, because they are so kind of basic, is actually more realistic. Like, yeah. especially if they had like RoboCop walking you around, you'd totally, be like, "Bullshit!" But, it looked like a, a giant Robbie the robot, like yeah. you would see from the '80s that you could control around, yeah, like make it do remote. stuff, get get you a Coca Cola. Just as when she lasers on Almost had a tidbit about that one, but I still have a tidbit about the movie. Okay, but there was one about the robots and how he built them himself, and like and how he didn't want to use CGI. But what's your TTB? But the TTB on this one, and, it, and I guess it goes to what the robots are you're saying, and what we're talking to earlier about, like why you love the '80s and all that stuff. Uh, but the budget for the film was very limited. It was about eight hundred thousand dollars in total. But the director had no problem with this, as he was happy to work on a Roger Corman film, and knew beforehand that Corman always kept expenses to a minimum. That's right. Master Thank you, Roger Corman. <coughs> Shoestring budget for good movies. Yep. Corman's a legend. All right. So that's that's my number ten now. Good choice for number ten. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling I'm I'm going to try to refrain from that was almost on my list because technically, I thought of a million movies that were on this list. Yeah. But that, that's going to be our shirt though. Yeah. So it probably that should almost be. made my list. I would also say, by the way, like I don't know if you felt this way, James, but I was going through the, this list and I was like, how the fuck did I not think of these movies the last time I was looking through like right? a list of 80, 80s movies because like. I loved all these movies that are on my list. To be fair, it was one half of the duo before it yeah, existed. I know, but I just still. feel like I, like I think James and I both have a fond appreciation for 80s movies. It's really hard to narrow but it that, down. I think that's what the thing. I don't think you were challenged at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, I you did, know I what? I try to pick stuff that we had never talked about on our yeah. list. So. Me, I, me too. That's the thing. Is um, like, but, which is, but again, the 80s is such a decade that I go, oh, I love this movie. And I've said that, I could say that about literally 100 movies, yeah. but I genuinely do love them. But there's like movies that people know, movies yeah. that maybe aren't. He sent me a message like at twelve thirty. Change out my number five for this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so we'll talk about my number nine, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm actually wearing the shirt of uh, Sammy Kerr today, <laughs> which is uh, the movie Trick or Treat, not Trick or Treat, Trick 
apostrophe R treat. That's trick or treat. Trick or. 1986 trick or treat. Thank you, Gene Simmons. Um, so, um, you know, one of there's a lot of subgenres within horror. Um, one of my favorite subgenres within horror is horror, heavy metal horror. There was a tendency in the 80s because so many people were afraid of heavy metal with like, you know, being, you know, devil worshippers and, right. you know, playing backward, you know, with backwards messaging. And you, you can't play metal in the 80s without hearing yeah. uh, somebody tell you to hail Satan. Exactly. Which is the way it should be. Um, <laughs> so then there's a ton of movies that I could have put on this list. Black Roses, which I think is really underrated. Uh, Rocktober Blood. Um, <laughs> Hard Rock Zombies. There's a lot, but... I do think that for the most part, the Sis and Kane of heavy metal horror movies is trick or treat. <laughs> First off, you've got uh, Skippy from Family Ties. Ah, that was the other yeah. one. Skip- right, we were just having this conversation in the, in getting coffee before we came here. Skippy from Family Ties plays Ragman, who's like this like like this like loser kid, heavy metal kid, you know, in his high school. He's the only kid in his high school who listens to metal, and his favorite rock star, Sammy Kerr, dies in this hotel fire, and he just goes super like. He throws a fit, but so there's weird cameos in this. You got uh, you got Gene Simmons, who, while being like a narcissistic, opportunistic piece of shit, uh, hi Gene. Um, Agreed. He's actually a good actor. That's Hope the thing. You're listening. Like, yeah, if, if you're listening to this podcast, Gene Simmons, please don't sue me because um, you will sue me. You litigious <laughs> asshole. Anyways, but but I still like Kiss is one of those bands I can't help but like. Anyways. Anyways, but but the thing about Gene Simmons was like he's actually like a good actor and like he has a small role as uh, Nuke, the local like heavy like heavy metal and hard rock DJ. Um, there's another cameo by Ozzy Osbourne who is not a good actor, but this part's funny because he's like on this talk show and he's like supposed to be like this preacher who hates heavy metal because it's ruining the youth. Oh, and then, it, it's a little it funny. Was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, what the fuck am I? Yeah, <laughs> I am moving. And it's funny because it's like oh Ozzy Osbourne. Anyways, but. He's not a good actor. But what sucks is like when you see a lot of the DVD releases for this now, the cover actually has Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne on it. It's like, oh, that's so misleading. But um, That's how you sell that movie, though. Exactly. Yeah. But it's a great movie. I actually think Sammy Kerr is one of the most, like, in the whole pantheon of fake movie musicians or whatever, Sammy Kerr was a great, like, the guy who did him, I think he was like a dan- music video dancer or something, but he was oh, wow. very physical and he had a really scary face and look. Um, but he's also really believable. The soundtrack is by this band Fastway, which the soundtrack is fucking incredible. If you like 80s heavy metal, hard rock, like the soundtrack is bitch. And the, the, the title song, Trick or Treat, is amazing. Um, Fastway rules. This movie's a big, huge influence on the comic book I made, uh, Self Plug Time, uh, My Blood <laughs> Sacrifice. Um, it was a huge influence on me. Um, I, I love it. Like I said, there's, I, we could go off on a whole tangent just about this movie. But like it take you know it's it's a great like fun Halloween time movie. It's about this dead basically this dead rock star is um, is super angry at this like puritanical society that you know wanted to demonize him. So he's coming back from the grave to like kill his fans. It kind of doesn't even make sense, but it's great. There's a line: "Play my song tonight." Or die. It's a great line. Uh, uh, it's great. The facial expressions are yeah. even better. It should I be mean, the voice. This will be filmed next time. It yeah. has to be. It is a great movie. I also want to point out, too, that if you've ever seen the 1994 movie Brain Scan, yep. um, that Sammy Kerr looks almost identical to, to, the, the, uh, he does to, the, to the trickster. It's like if you took him and Steven Tyler and morphed them together, 
Um, the Trickster is one of my favorite makeups. It's yeah. so weird. And look, the hair. It is. It's probably honestly like probably probably one of my uh, one of my favorite Edward Furlong movies too. Uh, I, was like, I hate Edward Furlong. Well, so I'd say like one of uh, there wasn't very many. I say wasn't very many three? from. That and so, the crow salvation or no, no, dude, blasphemy. Uh, I was gonna say Pet Cemetery too because I liked. Uh, oh, yeah, I like uh, Clancy Brown. Yeah, um, Clancy Brown. But forever. yeah, that's always who we remind. Like that's always when I watch Brain Scan. I'm like, this trick or treat guy. I always forget <laughs> that it, it, for long did yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Let's not talk about just, it. Yeah, let's, 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 we will not give you shameless plugs over <laughs> for long. You've ruined the crow. Yes. Well, um, no. Well, the second one sucked too. Anyway, I digress. So, yeah. yeah <laughs> so my number nine is a cannibalistic humanoid underground <laughs> dwellers. Chud. Chud. Not to be confused with Chud too, with Bud the Chud. Chud. <laughs> <laughs> totally not even related, except it's got Chud in it. Yeah. Um, though it is a pretty funny movie. That's with, funny movie. With the with the guy from Saved by uh, Head of the Class. Yeah. Um, but Chud itself is. Uh, Great combination of actors: John Hurd, Daniel Cern, early roles. Um, it's about these basically humanoid creatures that live underground in the sewer, and they pretty much eat homeless people and rich people walking their dogs. Um, the funny thing is, like the the story itself holds a lot of weight without even having like the the chuds like appear. Yeah, like it's a pretty strong story. There's some really great acting in that movie, um, both John Hurd and. Daniel Stern had really great performances. Um, says a lot about, again, back in the 80s, it was a very much clear divide in, in class and wealth. Yep. Um, so it was a really very poignant point about class and wealth in society. Um, but the creatures were kind of creepy as well. Yeah. As well. well I love the, the creatures. The design of those creatures yeah. is fantastic. I mean, just looked like, uh, they kind of look remind me a little bit of like alien-like, but they just had these like black faces. You know what they kind of look like to me is like more vicious... Uh, Sleeve stacks from yes, uh, thank you. That is uh, actually a really great analogy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just felt like Chud was a great franchise that could have been either remade or had an update because it's such a like the title's so silly, but so everybody knew. I've said Chud did like grandmothers, and they and I get it. Chud, I don't know what Chud is, that's, but it's a that's the thing is people like because the name is so silly and so sensationalistic that people think the movie is like like a tongue in cheek like, but no, it's actually a good movie. It's actually a pretty solid movie. Yeah. Like. It is is really well done. Yep. Um, effects are great. I definitely agree. I think that's one that could be like you could probably you know it's been about thirty years, thirty plus years now. You could probably do continuation of that and not miss a beat because they're all underground. Like they yep. disappear for they've been that's around right. there for a while. So um, yeah, so that's my number nine. Fantastic, one of the classics of the eighties. Yes, great cover too. I was super mad at myself for not thinking about it sooner, honestly. But what can you do? Good job though. So my number eight is actually, I actually added, so it's like, it's okay. So my number eight is Lost Boys slash Fright Night. So Lost Boys is <laughs> the most big, probably the Swerve. most, one of the biggest, like, but, or biggest known films, but weirdly has not been mentioned on this. And I truly think Lost Boys is the rare film, which I, I think is perfect. I don't, I Every, every, like, the only, like, criticism I've ever heard of it are, like, wh how 80s it is. Well, yeah, well, it was, it was made in the made fucking 80s. 80s. Yeah. It was made in the 80s by, uh, by Joel Schumacher. So, like, but it's brilliant. Everything about it's brilliant. Um, it's got the coolest looking vampires. Um, David is the fucking coolest vampire. He's a cool, 
Yeah. That great, mullet. Great, great music. Great music. Even the saxophone Ooh. playing guy at the beginning. Who my dude. mom had the biggest crush on that dude. He was actually Tina Turner's saxophonist. Oh. Who before he started to uh, that's try a to TTB his... right there. Yeah. That's that's a JTB. Yeah. There you go. My mom had a huge crush on him. It was H, uh, Tina Turner had this big eighties um, or HBO special. And he was on there. My mom was like, "Who is that? Oil that piece of man <laughs> beef." <laughs> but <laughs> for anybody who has a scene, he doesn't wear a shirt a lot, and yeah. he wears a chain. He's got long hair, so he was like the essential '80s. Shout out to Mama Dean. He's super right. Italian. Uh, yeah. He's, yeah, anyways. Um, <laughs> but so, but yeah, the movie. I mean, it, it's Lost Boys. We all know Lost Boys. If you haven't seen Lost Boys, yeah. fucking watch Lost Boys. Of course, you've seen it. Same with Fright Night. I put them on the list because if I was being honest with myself, those I've probably seen Lost Boys and Fright Night more than I've seen any, maybe the exception of like Rocky Horror. Or maybe the movie Cobra, which again is my favorite. Uh, yeah. Cobra's I, awesome. I, but Cobra's awesome. I mean, I literally used to come home from school every day and watch Lost Boys. It's just that yeah. movie. Um, I think the '80s perfected between that and then like Vamp and like I mean, there's so many great '80s like vampire movies. Um, anyways, it's just great. But you know, again, I put them both on my list because like they're probably the most. I'm just shocked that I've, I've listened to all the podcasts, even the ones you did. Lost Boys not brought up. It's like it had to be brought up. It's, no, it's Lost Boys. We, I swore that we talk about. Yeah. Like, well, I think we uh, maybe we mentioned Lost brief, Boys because I think we uh, didn't put it on the list, but, we but mentioned it briefly when we were talking about Alex Winters and Freaked. Right. Yes. Um, yes. Because because he plays the littlest vampire. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah. He plays a little vampire. Yeah. It's you know it's definitely it's stereo. stereo. You mentioned Freaked, but not Lost Boys. I know. <laughs> Freaked is great though, yeah. but um, um, it yeah, was a great, great movie. movie though. Yeah. I feel like it, I just had to mention it. Like I said, if I was listing my top 100 movies of all time, um, both Lost Boys and Fright Night would probably be in my top five. Yeah, like, no. It just without how do you get better than that? The two Corys. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. The height the, of the best, the height of the two Corey fame. That was actually the first time they were featured together as yeah. the mm-hmm. Corys. Yep. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I do have a tank tidbit for this movie. Oh, uh, it inspired one of the best vampire shows of all time. Fans of the Josh Whedon television series Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, regarded as the pinnacle of vampire depictions in pop culture. Uh, he's admitted to borrowing ideas from the cult classic film, the idea of them looking like monsters and them looking like people. Yep. Uh, that was the Lost Boys, the and that was the very useful for us. Uh, you could have somebody fool you, or someone like Angel seem like he's not a vampire, and then he is one. Yeah. Yep. If only they were as cool as David and his group, though. That's all I'll say. Number one, most vampire movies are like, fuck, I don't want to be a vampire. Like, I don't want to be those guys. But Lost Boys was a movie that you were like, why is this guy trying to fight all the vampires? Why do they even try to kill him? I'd join up. Like, where do I sign up? I'll drink the I'll drink the blood. I'll live underground. I'll listen to rock music all day and get all the chicks. Yeah, like, dude. I want to be Paul Rubin as a vampire. Right? Uh, that's right. <laughs> Clap. Yeah. Clap. Oh, so good. Um, but yeah, that's, that's... Very excellent movie. I didn't put it up. I, I didn't put Friday Night on my list just solely for the fact that I... We talked about it before, but it definitely would be in my top ten. Yeah, both without of those a doubt. So my number uh, eight is Scanners. Classic. Um, number one, most the one, <laughs> the best, most iconic scenes ever yeah. that had explosion. News anchor. I love that scene. Yep. It is amazing. The greatest gift of all time. Yeah, greatest gift of all time. Um, I just think it's a really cool concept. Like there are a couple movies in the eighties that were kind of like very centered around like. Psychic yep. abilities. You had your, your fire starter. Um, you had. I remember uh, Dreamscape. Um, not not really a horror movie, but the snake guy always. The snake guy. Yeah. He was the evil guy. You uh, would... Still freaks me out to this day. Yeah, right. 
he just returned into, I forget his name, but he always played, he was a guy from the Warriors. Warriors, yeah. Um, Warriors, come out and play. Yeah, that he guy. was just always a creepy as fuck. And he's like, got a million things, but yeah, he's great. He is, and he's always creepy in everything he plays. Yeah, but too. him as a snake man? Ugh. Yeah, he just <laughs> morphs into a snake, but um, I almost was tempted. I'm like, no, that's not really a horror movie, though, so I didn't put it on my list. So I love Dreamscape. Yeah. Uh, young Dennis Quaid. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Skinner's a great movie. Basically about a, a guy that has like telekinetic or like psychic abilities and he's sent off like by a scientist to go track down others like his kind and kill them. So it's like, you know, one killing the other. Um, just a really great concept. It's got Michael Ironside in it, who's, who's a just f- a phenomenal actor, yeah. like so great. Um, that voice. Yeah, he's just got that booming deep voice. Um, he's a badass. Yep. But just a really solid movie, and I remember watching it as a kid, and it was just that scene. I was like, oh, guy's head fucking blows up. You can't go wrong with that. Um, <laughs> it's also highlighted what I changed my number my number six to. Um, it's also like the uh, the one of the Ferris wheel scenes, too, where the guy's uh, on the, yep. the spinning into a ride, and he loses up the bolt, and <laughs> thing goes flying off. And I was like, did ride carnival rides for like a month after that. So, <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was very important. I remember my dad and I watched it. Um, and it was like, a, a, you know, one of those ones where it was like, he saw it a long time ago. It was like, you have to watch this movie again. Wasn't the Ferris wheel one, though? Isn't that in The Fury? Oh, maybe it is. Yeah, I think it's the, that was maybe, The Fury. Yeah, yeah, it was like Skinner's mixed up, but... Which is another great movie, but also they're very similar, yeah. like, psychokinetic, uh... Oh, yeah, you're right. No, yeah. you're, you're right. Um, see? Now I need to go back and watch it again. But yeah, solid movie, so that was by number eight. And that was your Actually Moment, brought to you by the team... <laughs> by James. So. That's okay. That's why I preach about James. Uh, you know, yeah. It's, you watch enough of these movies, like, and some of them Dude, are I, so yeah. common in plots, and like even, like even just filming, that you're like, oh, that was in that movie. Or like, it's a part of a sequel. You're like, that kill was part of that. That's no, right. I was actually part of the third one. Like, I do um, that all the time. So... I appreciate James's honesty. Always. We so, want to keep it hundred percent factual. We keep the, it hundred. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. I rather, I rather you call him out than one of the listeners. Actually, yeah, uh, actually, because then we just have to say go fuck yourself. Cronenberg's <laughs> probably my one of my favorite directors of all time. But it's funny because like, there I could have put that. I could have put um, Videodrome, but I feel Video, like Videodrome was like I thought about that, but I was like, is it? Is horror? It top, is it, yeah, is it horror? Well, well that's my thing. Is, is like, it in my top ten? Like, Scanners, Videodrome, a lot of his films, I'm like, I mean, I think like The Brood, there's a few of them which are straight horror, but they're almost like their own thing. Like they've, they've got definitely scary moments, but they're almost like, almost the way like David Lynch is his own genre. Right. Cronenberg to me kind of like his body horror stuff, but God, what a great dude. He had just years of being just, he's, I mean, fucking Cronenberg, man. Guy, guy's got to be one of the most genius directors of all time. Yeah, but yeah, Scanners, fantastic choice. If you've never seen Scanners, it's not just that's the thing is too. It's more than just that one scene. It's a yeah. great movie. Michael Ironsides is a great villain in that movie. Yeah. Um, it's a great movie. Yep, plays plays a great '80s bad guy. Awesome. God, yeah. No, no tidbit on this one. That's right. Right. No, no, it's spread, spreading them out. I appreciate that. Out. All right. So this is where my list gets real weird. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> So my number seven is Neon Maniacs. So one of my favorite things in the horror genre is when you don't know why things happen. Like they were, it's like don't explain this to me. Just okay. There's like these weird like village people monsters who live under the Golden Gate Bridge for some reason. <laughs> they have their own they have their own trading cards apparently. Shit, I've never seen this movie. Oh god, it's insane. 
Um, to me, it's quintessential 80s. Um, it takes place, one of my big things is like I've lived in San Francisco and it, you know, watching it's like, oh, I know where that is. But um, the whole conceit is like there's just these monsters that live under the Golden Gate Bridge. They are the Neon Maniacs. Why are they called Neon Maniacs? No idea. They're not Neon. Because the, <laughs> the movie took place in the 80s. That's pretty much it. Everything was Neon um, in the exactly. 80s. But um, they never explain them. But they basically just, they're just, once they, they, they get awakened, they get basically this, they basically target on these group of teenage friends, these like young 20-year-old like 80s kids that want to drink beer and get laid. Um, they basically just stalk them through the city. Like they, at one point, they get on the BART. They get on the Bay Area Rapid Transit System. They're like they're the Bay Area's uh, subway. And there's like weird Native American dude with like a beak. And there's like uh, there's like the the caveman guy. And there's like so they're not uh, going for political correctness. No, well, I mean, but there's so you can't even tell what the hell they are. They're, the the makeup looks like they spent ten bucks on it. But it's it's so fun. It's just like one of those movies you just sit down with your friends. Uh, like let's get high watch a movie drink some beer watch a movie but it's one of those movies that like because all the monsters have their own thing they literally are kind of like the village people of monsters like there's like this like leather daddy bike killer guy there's like I said um, dude they're they're just the weirdest group of uh, monsters they're it's like poor man's nightbreed yeah exactly but that's what I like about it I like when the characters are like I rewatched 13 Ghosts and I was like yeah I like that when everybody had their own thing like yeah you know, their like own, their own story. Exactly. Right? You want to know more of their backstories, but it's like, I mean, again, the kills are always kind of like super eighties and like kind of cheap looking, but fun. Um, they can't get away from them. From them, like that's a fun thing. Like they just, you know, that like they feel like they're always on their tail. Yeah. They don't bother to explain it at all. Literally, the opening is like there's a hobo, and he like he goes on the gate of bridge and he finds these like big trading cards. Of the maniacs, he's like, "Oh, what are these?" And then, like, it gets a knife in the head or whatever. It's like, it it's makes like, no oh, sense. What if these are worth anything? Exactly. But is life. it the currency or? I don't know. It doesn't explain, it, doesn't explain it. it. So they just have trading cards, like garbage they just, like, literally, kids. They're literally cards with their like faces on them. <laughs> Bio on the back. Exactly. <laughs> they're, they're stats. <laughs> they had TTBs on the back, and you didn't yeah, exactly. You really got to read them. But if, to me, it was one of those movies. Like, if I was somebody who gave me like, "Hey, here's five million dollars." remake one movie as like Neon Maniacs really I would remake because you can just do so much with it first you know. off it's called Neon Maniacs if you can't make a good movie out of that I don't tell you that's but, your in the wrong but business yeah, it's great wasted your million I would cast at least six pro wrestlers in it <laughs> <laughs> I think but you should be, change that to like uh, Glitter Maniacs or wear Glitter Seats Glitter Seats nice but yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, great in in the sense of like it's just it's bananas and super fun. And I think it's one of those movies that like if you were like a diehard '80s aficionado of horror movies, you gotta see it because it's just it's quintessential '80s, low budget. It's amazing. That's awesome. good deal. So my number uh, seven is uh, Stephen King's Christine. Can't go wrong. No. Classic. We're like waiting for his like his, his face. Like, do no, you approve? <laughs> It's a, it's a horror, no, it's a horror movie. movie. Uh, yep, it's um, it's got one of my uh, favorite <laughs> '80s actors, uh, who uh, played what's his name, uh, Roddy Dangerfield's yep, back uh, to sc- son, yeah, love it. Uh, Keith Keith Gordon, Keith um, Gordon, played yep. Arnie, Arnie in the movie. This movie really for for not being like really like terribly scary, um, scared the shit out of me. Yeah, I mean, a movie about a car you don't think would be extremely scary, but. I think it was more 
what I really liked about it was the main characters like descend into like madness yep. um, because of the car and just the impact that it had on him and just like turning that guy evil. And I thought that was that was actually cooler than the car. But I just love the fact that the car could restore itself. Um, just had all these like crazy supernatural abilities. Um, the uh, Transformer Outcast. Exactly. <laughs> and the fact uh, that the car, you couldn't hurt the car. Yeah, like, you couldn't destroy it. You couldn't crash yeah. it. You couldn't you know, shrink it down. You could light it on fire. It's just going to come back. It's going to be automatically restored. And that's just creepy. It's like, you know, you can't get rid of it. And it's just got this supernatural hold on whoever drives around. Plus, it's a beautiful car. You can't, yep. can't go wrong with that either. So Yeah. But you don't really think of a car as, like, I want to say this is one of the first times I've actually seen, like, this type of movie where the car is really the villain. Um, you don't really have many, it's like the time of Knight Rider, yeah. right? This is the opposite of Knight Rider. It's, maximum overdrive. Yeah, maximum overdrive. But, uh, you, know, but you had like, one car. Yeah. And one. that was like a, an alien comet. Yeah. This was is an... like a demonic spirit. Yeah. I just, but, I just love there wasn't like a, and to your point, there wasn't a ton of explanation. There was enough to make you interested, but not enough to spoil everything. So I just remember watching this. It was like, on, I remember watching it on TV and then I had to go rent it because, you know, TV back then yeah. just edited everything out. Um, so you missed half of it. But so really, good. Really great movie. Really, um, I, I was scared. I was scared of it. And actually has a tank tidbit attached oh, uh, to it. TTB for me. A little TTB. Uh, Carp, did you know uh, Keith Gordon wasn't the guy that was originally supposed to play Arnie? So Carpenter held auditions in California and New York looking for the right fresh face for the teen characters in the film. And he found the perfect newcomer for Arnie, Kevin Bacon. The now famous actor's only other significant work at the time was bits part uh, was a you know had bits uh, in Animal House Friday the Thirteenth uh, and Corbett's Carpenter, Carpenter thought that Arnie's transformation uh, from Dewey B hero to suave villain was a perfect fit for Bacon, but after being cast, Bacon dropped out when he was offered a starring role in Footloose. Footloose. Yeah. <laughs> Smart decision. So Carpenter went back to the drawing board to cast Arnie and eventually found Keith Gordon in a play in New York City. Carpenter initially took uh, to Gordon as Arnie because of the actor's previous appearance in Brian De Palma's thriller, Dressed to Kill. Yeah. I will say this. I think Kevin Bacon would have done a uh, fucking phenomenal job Absolutely. as Arnie. Yeah. I watched him in the movie. This movie it was like, uh, like White Rapids or something like that where he plays like this. He's Sean Austin's in it. Um, he plays like this guy. They go on a White River rafting trip. Oh yeah! And he plays yeah. that fucking psycho camp counselor. That's right. Yeah, I really like. Super crazy and abusive, and um, yeah, it was like I was terrified of Kevin Bacon in that movie. He was scary. Um, Kevin Bacon's hair has always scared me as a kid. <laughs> like I was freaked out of his. Hair. Like you don't know where it's going. <laughs> yeah, it Kevin looks sharp. Bacon. I like Kevin Bacon. I like that movie. I remember, I, yeah, yeah, early nineties. Right? Yeah, early nineties. Yeah. yeah, good times. Um, but yeah, he, I think he would have done a really great job, but I do appreciate the actor that they picked. He was he was a good fit. The thing is, Christine's one of those things that people, I think people's impressions of who Stephen King is, is like, people kind of have the wrong impression of him as a writer. Like, at the end of the day, Christine is a character study. Mm -hmm. Like, Stephen King re wrote really believable people. Like, he wrote three-dimensional people. He just always cast them in these weird scenarios with either, like, you know, it's... Uh, you know, uh, a telekinetic girl who's being abused by her, like, overly religious controlling mom or this demonic car that becomes attached to this kid. Like, 
the scenarios are always crazy, but the reason they work is because Stephen King was actually a great writer who knows and understood people. And that's why Christine works. It's not just like, oh, it's a crazy, you know, like, demonic car. It's like, well, who would give a shit if there's, like, characters you don't care right, about? So. Right, right. Anyway. Deal. Good call. We can talk about Stephen King all day. What's your six, man? Number okay, six. so my number six is uh, the movie The Video Dead. Again, had to go super 80s with it. Um, I've seen this... All right, keep going. I'm, I'm just... So, again, they don't really, there's not much to explain outside of, you see this old man, he gets delivered this TV, this black and white TV, and it's, it's a haunted TV. You don't really even know what it is. But basically, you know, these, this movie plays, uh, I think, Bloody Night of the Demons or Night of the Blood Demons. I forget what the name of the horror little zombie movie that's in it. But the, basically, the, the living did start coming out of this TV. The dude dies... Uh, and this new family moves into the house. That TV's in the attic. Of course, the brother and sister turn on the TV. Hey, this weird old black and white horror zombie movie's playing. And they start coming out of the TV. Now, this is before The Ring. This is before, like, any of those films that sort of use the same concept. Now, it is super low budget. They don't explain it. There's a lot of weird plot threads that go nowhere. There's a character called the Garbage Man who's been haunting these, ah. the, these demons, the, this video dead. And he's kind of like stuck in the TV, but that plot thread literally goes nowhere. There's like this like she's supposed to be like this hot chick, but she's kind of like she's hot in the way that like if she was your friend's mom, she would be hot. But otherwise, she's like eh, she's all right. But she plays like the seductor. You don't know like you think she's sort of in control of the the, the video dead. You know she's in it's it's weird. But basically, it's this brother and sister are trying to get away from these video dead and, and you know, uh, they got to, like, you know, try to destroy the TV and get away from the, the, the video dead. Uh, the special effects, I, I, especially for a low-budget movie, I think the zombie... There's this, like, bride zombie in it that's incredible. Um, one of the zombies gets... The sister hits him in the head with a, um, uh, uh, an iron, like, a, you know, an iron, ironing machine. She hits him in the head with the iron and, like, it gets stuck in his head the whole movie. And when she turns on, his skin starts bubbling from the heat. Nice. It's just a... I mean, it's, it's a stupid movie. It's got one of the greatest box art... The reason I saw this yeah. movie as a kid is because it has the coolest cover. It's like the uh, person like crawling out of the uh, TV. TV. Yeah, yeah, like the zombie. But I love all the makeups. Again, I like a horror movie that doesn't try to explain too much. Like you're sort of like, what is this weird ass world that's happening? But the, the it's actually pretty. I think there's moments of pretty real fear and like I think the zombie makeups for obviously spent like ten bucks on. I think they're well designed and I think it's effective. Um, you know, weird things like, you know, like they kill a tiny little dog. And I mean, it's a lot of like crazy stuff happens in this movie. But it's definitely like an 80s movie. It's definitely the VCR gener- generation. Evil TV. T- zombies crawl off an ev- evil TV. What more do you need than that? That's a good afternoon. That's a good one to check out. Really quick, mm-hmm. quick tidbit there. The typewriter scene in this film mm-hmm. was the same typewriter to, to write the script. Oh, very F- cool. FYI. All right. But going back to what you're saying, I I hate when the movie takes like 30 to 45 minutes of unnecessary explaining uh, of where, like, you know, why the ring is coming out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, Not everything needs a backstory. It, it doesn't. It's scarier when there isn't a yeah. backstory. Because it leaves you hanging. I mean, a little yeah. bit of context would be great, yeah. like in some movies, but like... Give me a little yeah. hint or whatever, but... Yeah. See, and, and really quick, dude, it's not an 80s movie by any means, but Cloverfield... I was left wondering, like, what, what the ah. fuck is going on? Like, how did it get Who there? Who is this with? Yeah, exactly. So I digress. Yes. But yeah. Go ahead, Derek. <laughs> so my number six I'm changing. So my original number six was Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh, it's a good movie. Um, Michael Roker, 
fucking phenomenal job. Yep. If you like him in any other movie, you will love him in this. Um, he's great. When he had hair. When he had hair. Yeah, unrecognizable. And then I forget the actor's name, but the, he plays his, like, Otis or the, the his, like, the other guy. Like, yeah. That guy's so good and so creepy and, like, he plays, like, God, I love Henry Portrait. So, anyways. But, so, but you're changing it. But I'm going to change it okay. uh, to another movie that... Swerve! It's actually more of a movie compilation, but I love this movie. It's called Terror in the Isles. Have you ever seen the movie? Isn't that just a thing of like trailers or kind of? It's it's a video compilation hosted by Donald Pleasance. Yeah, and they're sitting in a movie theater and they're watching just like highlights yeah. from like all the best scenes in like horror, like yeah. all the way through. And I just thought it was just a really like when I was a kid watching it, it it really highlighted like a lot of movies I hadn't seen before, and that's why I put it on there because I'm like, um, number one, I had a really hard time finding it as a kid. Only in like every other video store I went to had it. Like so, it was like you couldn't find it. I still, I don't think it's available at all on digital at all because I tried to look for it. I think you only get it on DVD. It's a little pricey, but someday we'll buy it. But it's just it's a fucking great movie. Donald Pleasance is is awesome, anyways. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think who his host was, and I want to say it was Linda Blair, um, but I'm not a hundred percent certain. I'm gonna look it up now. Um, Got it. I'm getting it right now no, for was, you. No, Nancy, Nancy Allen. Nancy Allen. Nancy Allen. Nancy oh, Allen. I just want one. Just Donald her Pleasance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought it had it's just some really great scenes. Um, it kind of jumps around to kind of different categories between killers and monsters and everything you love about horror is really highlighted like in this movie with some of like the best scenes ever. Um, it's got this great <laughs> kind of like music video compilation at the end um where it like it's kind of a, a catchy tune but it kind of goes through like the fly and um you know rear window and some of the like the classics you know the shining but i had to put it on there because i feel it's not the traditional like 80s movie but it's just a movie that loves 80s movies and like in all other movies that are horror related. So I dig that. That was really cool. They had a, like a whole thing about Hitchcock and just a surprise element. It's got some great quotes from him. So um, that's why I'm changing it up. That's rad. There used to be this movie. I used to love it. They used to play it on HBO all the time. It was like it was a bunch of comedians, like basically all like the great Chicago comedians, like the guys from SCTV and like the first uh, generation of uh, SNL. So like. Um, you know, John Belushi, John Candy, Rick Moranis. But basically they're just, it's like the love of like old schlock exploitation B-movies. And like they would like, they talked about like, you know, Reef of Madness. They talked about, but it was like this weird, I can't remember what it's called. I, I've been blanking on the title ever since you've been talking about this, but it's kind of the same thing. Like where they, it was just basically like, remember these old low budget movies? Like it was great. It was great. And it was all these amazing comedians from the 80s in it. That's awesome. I'll have, yeah, to, I'll have to look yeah. into that. It was a great great thing. But yeah, interesting. Right. Yeah, if you ever get a chance to watch it, if you want something like that's going to expand your mind about horror, check it out. What's your number five? Number five. So I changed it. Originally, I was going to put, ah. I was gonna put um, Return of the Living Dead just because I'm like, that's, I mean, it's probably one of the most formative films in my life, but we've talked about that movie yeah. ad nauseum. It's the whole reason I didn't put it on my yeah. list, one or two of that movie. Yeah, exactly. Because um, I feel like we had a great conversation about it, so what, what's more to say? Exactly. If you haven't watched it by now, I don't know what's wrong with you. Exactly. Stop listening to this podcast. Go watch it. <laughs> if, it 
If you haven't watched it by now, you're not listening to this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> so my new number five was the. I almost wore that T-shirt instead. Is uh, the movie Rock and Roll Nightmare? Mm. So uh, John Michael Thor such is a, a hero, hero of mine. Such a good movie. Um, he. Uh, so for those that don't know, uh, John Michael Thor is the creator of Muscle Rock. <laughs> He's like. Power metal. He was like a bodybuilder guy who did strongman stuff, and he wanted to be, dude. It, it, anyways, it, he's, but yeah, his band Thor. Uh, shout out to John Michael Thor. Keep 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 rocking in the new era. Um, there's actually a great documentary about Thor. I wouldn't say it's a great documentary, but it's a it's a it's a fun documentary, and his struggles to sort of like be still be relevant. But anyways, so what do you want? He wanted to be. The next Michael Jackson, he thought like with his bodybuilding and his music, he could really take over the world in the eighties. And I mean, if there was a decade to do that, it would have been the eighties. Yeah. Um, but so he um, he actually wrote the screenplay for this movie called Rock and Roll Nightmare, which has got to be one of the single fucking dumbest movies you'll ever see, but in the best way possible. Um, story is like there's this this uh, <laughs> barn and there's like this demon in this barn. At one point, the demon comes out of a out of stove and kills this kid, and it's the funniest looking special effect you'll ever see. Um, but cut to twenty years later, John Michael's Thor, Thor you know, this guy is like in his band are going to record their new album out in like this secluded area, uh, out of the secluded house, which isn't really that secluded. But they awaken this this demonic presence. Um, okay, so I'm going to actually give you a spoiler because I. I think it came out in the 80s. There's no such thing as a yeah. spoiler on that one. So it's got the craziest, like, what the fuck ending. So you see this whole movie, this guy's band and all, like, the gr- there's groupies and his band managers and a slimy dude. They're all getting killed off by evil spirits. At the end of the movie, this big, goofy-looking, evil, like, demon, devil, Satan thing comes out of the ground. And he's like, ah! You know, and, like, and John Michael Thor just starts laughing. He's like, ah, oh, you, 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 uh, you fell for my trick. And you're, the audience is like, what? He's like, oh... They, those were never my band. They were I created them uh, as illusions to pull you out in the open. And John Michael Thor transforms into this like teased hair muscle god uh, who I don't know if he's supposed to be. He's yeah, like, I think he's supposed to be like is it an angel? Angel like, of something? Like a metal angel? Metal angel? With, and then they with, fight. Looks and like He Man. And then it ends the very much like a like a metalhead He Man. Yeah, I'm looking at the box. Oh, so art. good though. It's like it's like if you took He Man and the metalheaded Mickey Rourke from the wrestler. Sure. Just uh, watch the together. last audience. If you're watching, they're listening to this. Just watch the last eight minutes. And if you don't, if that's not for you, my bad. But it is gloriously amazing. If anything, you 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 got the eight best exactly. History. There's one of the band members has it's like has the worst. I think he's supposed to be Australian. And he, his like accent comes and goes, and like you know what he reminds me of. Every now and then. Yeah. He looks like Flash Gordon if joined a metal band yeah. and yeah. grew his hair. That's what he looks like. And He's... I love, I love the the box art. It says, "When the band starts to rock, heads head start, start to, to roll." roll. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's glorious. It's so it's so stupid, but in the best way possible. I want to be in like in the creative room when they do that. Like and right. like that was See, the best one that's to go. Why with. We're missing great cover art nowadays. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If we had great cover art, it would totally sell more movies. That's all yep. I'm saying. Was, everybody's listening. Was there a sequel to it? The Edge of Hell? From like um late nineties? Yeah, that looks like because that's it's what's like coming up related. When you raise hell, the devil must be paid. And it has like similar box art cover. Yeah, I don't know if it, I think it's, it's just another 
It looks in- bad, okay. Bad movie, but um, <laughs> you you've had some really fun ones on your list. I will say. I tried um, to be very eighties with it. Yeah. Um, so my number five is The Hitcher. Oh, great movie. Rucker Howard is the fucking man. Yeah. That's all I gotta say. Rest in peace, Rucker. Um, R.I.P. Yeah. He plays such a great bad guy. So um, cool. And it's got a young C. Thomas Howell. Yeah. Um, before he killed his career with a soul man. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People, even even in the eighties, blackface was not appreciated. No, no. Um, even if it wasn't about you trying to get into college. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, he did a horse too because he put Jerry Curl in his hair, which was <laughs> terrible. Um, and, so bad. But I it was... um, yeah, it's basically just about a couple that picks up a a hitchhiker, and that hitchhiker is crazy. He's just a crazy killer. He just torments him the entire trip. Now I've never seen the sequel to it. Um, I did watch the remake with Sean Bean. I thought it actually does a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually ends very differently than I, I thought it was going to end. Um, spoiler alert, the uh, the main character, Guy, <laughs> has him getting killed in the remake. He's cut, ripped in half by a truck. Truck. Which is fucking awesome. Yep. Um, that scene is crazy. But yeah, I, I, Rucker Hauer is just like, he is a force to be reckoned with like on screen. Uh, if he does not terrify you, the other movie that he was in that terrifies the shit out of me is Nighthawks. Yep. With uh, Sylvester Stallone. Also, probably a really underrated Sylvester Stallone movie. Yep. I didn't put it on there because I feel like that's more of a thriller. It's a that. thriller. It's a thriller. It's not really a horror movie, but it's about Stallone tracking down a serial killer. And he's this great scene where Stallone dresses up as a, a, like, a woman in a house. This guy's like killing women. He dressed up as a woman in a house like a night robe. Like, it's got curlers in the hair. And then he turns around. It's <laughs> got Stallone, full beard. Like, he had, throws, he throws looked, it off. He, that full beard, that, like, longer hair. I thought he looked, Stallone looked pretty cool in that movie. Yeah, he did. He was, he bad, like he was badass. God, like, Stallone's so badass, yeah, he dude. Is, dude. He is. He did, Especially he over did the top, real, Cobra. Don't even like, decide. This could turn into yeah. a whole thing. Yeah, that's, all right. That's, we're going to. New but, podcast. But yeah, the, the Stallone hour. <laughs> hour, hour. All 80s muscle men. Oh, exactly. man. Um, yeah, I, Great choice. Though, um, right? But I had to put it on there. It was, it was to me, is a whole reason. Honestly, to this day, not that pitching. Picking up hitchhikers is dangerous as it is. If there were any life lessons my parents could ever give me not to pick up hitchhikers, it was completely uh, substantiated by watching this movie. Dude, I don't know why. I just actually kicked myself in the ass. I can't believe I didn't put Near Dark on this. <gasps> Damn it. Oh, that oh. is also another. All right. Well, that thank you again for listening to the Tank Rodriguez show. We'll see you next week. That's right. <laughs> we have failed you, audience. Uh, Literally, when I was talking, because I was like, uh, night, the, Lance Hedrick and fucking Bill Paxton. And the, probably the most vicious, badass like, vampire crew. That's ever. the thing. It's like, I, that's what's, Why haven't they remade that one? That's like Hollywood. What are you doing? Mm. You remake all these shitty movies. Yeah. Uh, so, like, in fact, because that's the thing is when I was thinking earlier. Um, with, I was like, because I was trying to think, like, you had, like, Lost Boys, like, Fright Night is just, like, almost like a horror comedy. Um, uh, it's very funny. It's very, you know, but it's still a great movie. Then you had Lost Boys, which was, like, also kind of more on the comedy, but, you know, um, kind of it's, like, cool MTV vibe. And then you had, in the same era, you had Near Dark, which is the most ballsy, brutal, like, Western vampire movie, gritty, that bar sequence. Yeah. Dude, the, the whole, like, cutting the throat with the um, the uh, spurs, yeah. beat spurs, so badass, dude. I, f- I feel like we're hold on to this mm-hmm. when we do top ten, top ten vampire movies. Remember to put that we'll on. We'll revisit there. it, yeah. Yes. What's your number four? So, my number four 
is a movie I love, um, and it's uh, Umberto Lenzi's Demons. Um, That's a good one, too. Great movie, great soundtrack. It's that, like, was it, that was in the 80s? Yeah. I don't know why back in my mind I thought it was 70s. Maybe it's just because of the, the artwork. God dang it. I don't make me... I'm going to say it's 84, but... I no, mean, no, dude. You're probably right. Well, because it, I... it had Motley Crue on the soundtrack. And oh, except, all right. So, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was 80s. Yeah, 85. No, you're right. Um, I say 84, 85. Um, it, in fact, the, the soundtrack is Claudio Simonetti from, from Goblin. It's, I actually really like the three songs that he has on the soundtrack. <laughs> Goblin. Um, Goblin. I've seen Goblin Live do one of the best... Sh- I saw Goblin Live play live in a movie theater, and I was like, all concerts should be in movie theaters. The acoustics were so amazing. Um, so um, wow. I actually, uh, side story, so I went to go see uh, uh, Goblins in L.A. Uh, four years ago, um, and um, now I'm blanking on the director's name, but uh, Vigilante, uh, Maniac, Maniac Cop, um, what the fuck? I'm, dude, so bad with names. Like, I don't know what happened to my that portion of my brain. Are you talking about the actor? The director. Um, uh, why am I blanking? He's, I love him. Vigilante is, I think, one of the greatest uh, uh, movies of the 70s. Um, uh, uh, he's a short, heavy man. Um, Larry Cohen? No, Larry Cohen. Oh, the, William Lustig? Bill, yeah, Bill William Lustig. Yeah, so he was in the audience, and I recognized him, and so I, I took a photo with him, and it was a it was a great experience. But yeah, anyways, that was a weird sidetrack. But yeah, if you do have this chance to, uh, I think they, I think they might have actually stopped touring, or they're going to stop touring. Um, but yeah, they Goblin reformed probably like five or six years ago to start playing some dates, and they it was massively successful for them. But anyways, Goblin's Goblin rules. Uh, Claudio Simonetti was a musical genius. Anyways, so my, the movie Demons, um, I can't say enough about this movie. Um, I think, like, one of my favorite, like, plot points, as I mentioned during the, the when I was talking about um, Night of the Demons, is being trapped somewhere. And what a cool place, and we've talked about this too in the past, about, like, movies that take place in movie theaters, but this whole thing of, like, being caught in this big, fancy um, Italian, the Metropolitan, I believe was the theater, what it's called. But anyways, I love everything about this movie. I like the cast. Um, uh, the uh, There's this, uh, is his name Bobby Rhodes? There's, um, there's this, like, p- pimp in it. This, like, this dude plays the <laughs> pimp, and he's the coolest dude in the whole movie. But um, it's just a great, I mean... You don't hear that very often, folks. No. And he's, like, kind of like, yeah, and he almost, like... Once once all these people get trapped, the pimp kind of becomes like like the head of the group until he you know spoiler he dies. It's like I'm going to save you all, then I'm going to hoe you out. Exactly, but he's just a bad motherfucker. In fact, he was so he was so cool, and the director like the Argento, the producer, and like Merlin, and everybody liked him so much they actually cast him as a different character in Demons too. But um, so I'll give you a quick synopsis of the film. These two young women. Um, uh, this weirdo in this half metal mask uh, gives him the ticket to this movie, which um, is actually played by uh, Michele Suave, who was the director from a previous talk, podcast when I talked about uh, Cemetery Man and Stage Fright. Yes. He plays, he actually plays the dude with the half metal mask who gives the girls the ticket to go see this like movie that they don't even know what it is. They go to this movie theater. Uh, in the lobby, there's like this like metal samurai and a motorcycle holding a katana, and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" Weirdly, we'll come back into uh, play later. Um, 
but yeah, they get they they get they start to watch this movie, and it turns out the movie itself um, is haunt. Like if you watch the movie, like the movie will call upon demons, so people in the theater start transforming into demons. The special effects in this are fucking amazing. The designs of the demons are amazing. There's a sequence when one of the pimps prostitutes turns into the first demon, and like the transformation, which does take quite a long time, like. But you see her teeth falling out and, like, they're replaced by her demon teeth. And, like, her, like, just the transformation is fucking incredible. But basically these people get trapped in, in this, in this um, movie theater. They're trying to get away. There's all this cat. There's a blind guy in the movie who, like, the one, the main heroine of the movie, like, is, like, is nice enough. She's, like, narrating the movie to this blind dude that went to go see this movie. Um, a little, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, uh. Blanking. Anyways, great movie. Soundtrack, like I said, bitching. You got Accept, <laughs> Motley Crue, Saxon, and then you got like, it's like hair metal slash like new wave. Uh, but like I said, Claudio Simonetti too. The score is great. Um, I think they had like, um, I think they had probably like one of the bigger like, you know, like in the realm of like the the eighties Italian. Um, I think they had a pretty good budget at the time. Like, like I said, the special effects were great. There's like a which is pivotal to the plot, like a helicopter comes crashing through the top of the, the theater. It's like, it really felt like a big budget, like, you know, a very expensive movie. But, on a low budget. But yeah, on a very, like, on an Italian budget. But yeah, great movie, very memorable. Um, there's a sequence, you know, and Boro Lenzi, who is Mar- um, uh, 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 his dad was also a famous director, and the, like, his son didn't get as much credit, but like, um, the there's a shot where all these like like you see the blue light of the screen and all these like demons start coming up and all you see is their silhouette but they have glowing blue eyes. Oh, nice! It's just a creepy image. It's been used in the poster art and stuff. But the the like the mask of demons um, is just I actually if you ever see my I wear like a denim vest and I have uh, the mask on the back of my jacket. I I, I think it's that cool. But anyways, it's a great movie. <laughs> um, we'll actually play this movie. We'll play an important role on the next film I talk about. Kind of, but um, it was a great movie, Italian horror. Probably one of the best, like most fun Italian horror movies of the generation. Um, it, spawned, it spawned multiple sequels, even though technically Demons 2 is the only real sequel. The Ogre and like all these other movies that came out afterwards weren't real sequels, but because they, the Demons franchise was popular enough that they just, you know, sort of attached that title. Like, um, But yeah, it was a great movie. If you've never seen it, check it out. It's amazing. I'll have to watch it again. I haven't seen it in a long time, so probably like like 10 years. Yeah. So, But I do remember it had good special effects. Yeah, so. I love the demon's makeup, which I I think is probably one of my favorite makeup, like just design. It's very basic, but also very, very gnarly looking. It's good. Good stuff. So my number four is Pumpkinhead, which, which by the title you would not think would be a great movie because... We scared a pumpkin head, but <laughs> Love it. doesn't have anything to do with pumpkins. Honestly, <laughs> no. um, it's a great tale of revenge, yep. um, which is not. I mean, if anything, that's like ninety percent of horror movies is somebody getting revenge on somebody else. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of cool. Like you get Father Lance Hedrick uh, again, not really in his kind of after his Aliens heyday, but kind of like while well, he's trying to pick up. He did uh, do a lot of director video movies. Yep. Um, I don't think this one ever came out of the theater, if I remember right. Yeah, I but think so. um, Pumpkinhead's awesome. Like, just summons this demon to avenge his young son's death yeah. for these kids who killed him accidentally. I think it was, if I remember, it was like a dirt bike or something yep. like that. He caught him. They were doing jumps and caught the kid in the face and wow. killed him. And, you know, I mean, it's very sad, but this guy's so full of rage, he just summons this 
you know, demon who is pumpkin head just comes out of the ground and uh, has to seek like blood revenge um, and tries to kill all the kids. Um, but just a really classic. The effects were awesome. Pumpkinhead was just creepy. It was kind of like a combination of like a demon and an alien. He just had those long, lanky like arms. Um, Beautiful creature. Yeah. Man. Stan yeah. Winston. Great. Very, very like amazingly done. Yeah. Again, it goes back to our conversation about special effects in the eighties. Like, you don't think that these are all done. Like, I, I would challenge anybody in this day and age to to take on something like that and do it all with practical effects. On a budget, it doesn't happen nowadays. That that monster would be totally CGI. It'd be a guy in a green screen suit, and it would be done that way. And it would lose all its street cred. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a solid movie. I've seen that movie so many times, more than I can count. Probably every like I probably say at least every other Halloween like it comes up, and I just sit down and watch it just because <laughs> it's just it's a good movie. It doesn't not a lot of brain power to watch it. I mean, the plot's pretty simple, but. That sounds really good. Um, yeah, the effects are really good. Um, again, that's just the creature's name is Pumpkinhead. Yeah. Which I funny. But that's pretty he's cool. definitely uh, far scarier than his name implies. Yeah, because most movies, like, name Pumpkinhead, like, it'd be literal yeah. in the literal it's like sense. like great Pumpkinhead Charlie Brown. Yeah. Like, it seems like something you'd see in, like, kids' movie, but... But, yeah, it, he's... It's and not. it's one of the coolest, like, he looks scary and cool. Like, Stan Winston, like, nailed the... Very unique. I mean... I'm I'm sadly disappointed. Like it's when you think of like kind of the like the horror icons. I really for a long time like Pumpkinhead was up there. Um, he was up there with your Freddies and your Jasons, and you know I'm sad to see like the Leprechaun kind of bump him out of the picture. You know, in the grand scheme of things, I really feel like that would be <laughs> that would also be another movie that would make a really great uh, remake or like follow up. Um, it's a demon, so like yeah, I mean really. Like how can you? I mean, you can take thirty years later and bring him back. And so it's not as not as hokey as like the Leprechaun. No, no, no. It's, it's no. very serious. I didn't really I like follow said, along to some of the other ones. They had sequels to it. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I really feel like the original is like is pinnacle. Yeah, and like it is very pivotal with Lance Henriksen's performance. And again, it's a thing about like I like films that like sort of question vengeance, like someone's need for vengeance, and like is like. Um, there's this movie, fucking really great Korean movie called I Saw the Devil, um, which is just like basically this guy, he's like this ex-cop, I think he kind of still is a cop, but he's like, there's law won't do anything about the serial killer, so he's going to do it himself, and the end of the movie, it's like very like gut-wrenching, and like, it's a brilliant movie, and it is about like questioning like, you know. Where's the line? Yeah, did I, like, am I the, like, yeah, and or like. Is revenge is worth it? Is, is revenge worth it? Is like, you know, but anyway, yeah. it's a great movie. Um, yeah, it's funny because I was going to actually watch it and Pump, uh, Pumpkin 2 last night, um, but instead I watched uh, the Wrong Turn films. So oh, there you go. Um, but yeah, great movie. I'm interested to see what your number three is because I know you said that Demon Knight was like, would be num- your number three on your ranked list. So I'm interested in like kind of what you put in the number three spot. So. Now I'm actually regretting it wasn't uh, near dark, but it's fine. Um, What's well, I, I So I told James that we would we should do uh, top ten vampire movies. Yeah, we'll put that on there. I think just we'll do that. We can put that on there. I dig it. Um, so, I already know his number one would be Twilight. Yeah, 
Well, uh, what's the second <laughs> Spoiler one? alert. What's the second one? It would be The Littlest uh, Vampire. Exactly. Okay, Twilight 2, isn't, isn't that what the second one's called? Uh, I bet my favorite vampire movie is actually Once Bitten. But anyways, um, I love Once oh, Bitten. Oh, fucking phenomenal movie with Jim I lo- Carrey. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I've actually seen that one. Yeah, or My Best Friends of Vampire is a good one, too. Yeah. Um, anyways. So, uh, my number three <laughs> is The Church, which got left off of the very first podcast I did. Oh. Underrated film, most underrated Oh, films. yeah. Um, which is actually, like I said, so actually the script for the church was actually supposed to be Demons 3. Um, but oh. I guess Argento wanted to do something else. And so uh, he like said no. So they basically reworked the script. But So it's actually also directed by Michele Suave, who is, was also in uh, Demons, as I mentioned. Um, I think this movie is so fucking underrated. Um, granted, it takes a while. I think it's like over an hour before the shit really hits the fan. But it's really creepy. It's really well done. Um, the whole opening sequence is like a ten minute opening sequence that like uh, takes place in the medieval times, and you have these like these like Christian knights, and they basically slaughter an entire town that was um, which was accused of being satanic. They kill an entire town, dig this giant pit, and throw all the dead bodies in there, and then are basically commanded to to build a church over that site. Uh, so you can see where this is going. Um, <laughs> so cut to, you know, quote-unquote modern times, and you see this new, um, this new, um, uh, like, I don't know if he's an archaeologist, but this new guy is coming to work at this church while this lady is renovating it. And Anyways, um, long story short, the this evil is awakened in this church. Um, now... You know, people get trapped in the church, which, again, I just said that there's something about being trapped that I find creepy, especially in this. There's a lot of creepy imagery. Um, uh, they, people transform into demons, but they become influenced by evil, and they start doing crazy, terrible things. Um, there's, like, there's actually a depiction of pretty much the devil in this that I actually think is really creepy and really well done. Um, there's this whole sequence at the end where, like, it's really disturbing where, like, this, like, cross-shaped hole in the church like cracks open and like this like mound of like writhing connected bodies like covered in like tar kind of like or like screaming and like oh it's just super creepy um from the from a cross shape yeah like there's like a like the ground cracks open in like this cross shape that's pretty cool and this like mound of like that sounds awesome bodies come up and it's I'm something that you'd see out of like hellraiser um it's just like super that. creepy um some fucking really great imagery that's what I say um uh, suave just Great eye. I mean, there's just so much creepy imagery. This one point, this chick tears like she sees in the mirror. She thinks her she's got like a rotting demon face, and so she starts like clawing in her skin. This dude gets his neck torn open in the most violent way. Like it's just some really amazing Italian <laughs> horror. In this. But, she, but she doesn't have like a right. She's tearing off her own face. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. She doesn't have a demon, but she's seeing that in the mirror. So she's basically tearing out her own skin, and it's just it's always that's, that's always so creepy to me. Yeah, yeah, that, that's so weird. That's a weird one. But yeah, it's, I think it's one of those films that, um, like, like as far as like in the like the sort of satanic panic era of horror films, like, really took the idea of like, uh, you know, it's called church. Yeah, the church. I mean, that's the thing is too. Like, you think you'd be safe in a church, but no, in this church. Yeah. It is uh, definitely some and Castlevania. It's got a fourteen-year-old Asia Argento. Well, I think one of her first oh, wow. roles. Um, that's ironically enough, fourteen years old, the age of her boyfriend. I'm just. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it's a shameless dig at Asia Argento for 
for recent nefarious oh, yes. um, liaisons with younger people. Uh, anywho. We digress. We digress. <laughs> well, we don't we uh, condone on the show. Great acting, horrible personnel. Yeah. <laughs> so what you're saying is that she killed, uh, 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 what was her boyfriend, the chef? Yeah. No, so like, well, that was that was the other rumor as well. But yeah. you read, heard about the other one, right? No. Um, so there was a, uh, she was in a movie a while back with a um, very young actor, and he came out years later and was like, yeah, like, was having sex with Adrian Argento. Pictures like, and everything. Yeah, um, when I was like 14 or 15. And, so, and then... Um, I hear that. It was right yeah. because... because she, and so Anthony O'Bradain actually paid him off. Yeah. So oh. it, came out, it came out right around the time of the sort of the Me Too movement and um, where she was very much advocating with like Rose McGowan and they were yeah. in this together. Oh, um, uh, I think Ab- I did hear Ab- about Cuddy. that. And, then all, of a, and then all of a sudden it came out and it was like, oh, wait a minute though. Like, you're going to trash Harvey Weinstein, which you should because he's a shitty... He's a scumbag. Being. But... but don't call a kettle black. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> hey, did you forget about these photos over here? Anyways, um, I like her as an actress. She's been in some good movies. Planned Dead is another one. Um, but again, it goes back to the uh, can like what you do and uh, not appreciate you as a person. Yeah. And then Anthony Bourdain was already dead. Yeah, so he couldn't vouch for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Except text messages saying that he, like, like hey, here's the money. Like, it was like 200 grand plus. Jesus. I'm like, just to shut up. Well, that's a whole weird right. tangent and expense. Okay. Yeah, that's a whole on its own. Um, so we all know my number three is Night of the Demons. Um, yeah. such I mean, this is such a pivotal movie for me um, as as a young teen watching this. Um, one, <laughs> it's an analog of community in it. I'm sorry. Uh, Linnea Quigley. Um, God, we always mention her name know, on this podcast. I know, but she always has her boobs out in movies. I'm sorry. It's just... Um, I followed her, her work history pretty thoroughly when I was growing up. And uh, that's how she met her husband in this movie. He was a special effects artist yeah. and was casting her boobs, yeah. her fake boobs for the movie. Wow. Uh, she had this weird scene, though. She was like one on Next Angela. She was like traumatized me as a kid. Almost it, ruined boobs for me. It, almost. It, it, it traumatized me, yet um, just her whole like, lipstick scene was, uh, was weirdly <laughs> confusing to me. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so, yeah, to your point, Angela was by far, like, typically in 80s horror, you don't see, like, women as, like, the badass villainesses. Yeah. But she was. Like, she was in that movie, and so I really appreciated that, because it was something that really hadn't up to that point seen. Um, and, and the other part was, I think you mentioned that, just, you're trapped. You can't go anywhere. This house is on lockdown. Like, you're, it's possessed. You don't know who is possessed. But then you find out they're quickly they're, they're possessed um, in some, just a very creepy facial makeup of the folks that are possessed uh, in this movie. It was weirdly scary, um, but yet still being kind of like in the vein of like the 80s, like teen movies. Yeah. Um, also, if we can just talk real quick about that dance that Angela does, um, uh, <laughs> which was which I'm pretty sure was a different like a body double or a different I'm actress. I'm pretty sure it was too. But yeah, that was very. More than any of the Linnea Quigley scenes, I think that scene, and I was like, I actually saw that movie with friends during a sleepover, and there was a bunch of like, you know, basically a lot of us young men were holding 
Sleeping bags. Sleeping, yeah. <laughs> Let me just tell you this much. Like, people watch this movie, they're like, they have movies like, like Meatballs and yeah. Revenge of the Nerds is like, oh, I gotta watch that for the nudity. But like, no. If you had been watching the horror... Horror movie, movies. You would have been catching it this whole Hands time. You been, down. You would have been trying to de-scramble your Cinemax yeah, like exactly. at 2 in the morning. Shout out. Taxi Cab Confessions. Yeah, shout out Taxi Cab um, and Red Shoe Diaries. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, so I mean... It, yeah, definitely. You're <laughs> there's some just great elements in this movie, but it's it's a really solid film as well. Yeah, great. Um, uh, like I said before, the soundtrack is bitching. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's like I said, very creepy. Like I said, really weird, memorable moments. Um, yeah, dude, bodacious movies. Bodacious movies. <laughs> bodacious Sour balls. Sour balls. Got a, I got a tank tidbit for this one yeah. since we had mentioned it twice. Uh, it's about me, actually. Uh, the character of Sal. Uh, didn't have a last name in the script, uh, so they gave him Romero because uh, he had knew so much about horror movies that he just wanted to honor him after cool. George Romero. Yeah, I mean, they, on the tombstone it says Sal Romero on there. Very cool. Yeah, there you go. Sal was such a crazy character. <laughs> you want to beat that guy's ass, but he actually ends up. Yeah. Anyways, what's your number two? So my number two. God damn it! If this movie it does not get enough credit. Um, it was one of my favorite books growing up. With the book was called Cycle of the Werewolf, but the film was called Silver Bullet. Yeah, I knew that's the one you're talking yeah. about with Gary. God Busey. damn it! The best, a... the best crazy uncle ever. He's the coolest. Like people who don't like Gary Busey are I, crazy. Yeah, they're you're insane. Gary Busey's yeah. a goddamn legend. Hell yeah! If you've never seen Tech uh, DC Cab, huh. like you're you're not a real human being. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say this. Make fun of Gary Busey. You're making fun of somebody with a traumatic brain injury. Exactly. Like, don't make fun of that guy. It's not his fault. He's the way that he is. Yeah. Number he wasn't two, even supposed to be alive. Yeah. He's supposed to be alive. He fucked himself up royally on a motorcycle. Like, yeah. like give that guy a break. Number two, like, he's just fucking awesome. Yeah, like, he's Gary, Gary Busey, fucking shout out, Busey. Shout out to Gary Busey. Um, shout out to your movies. I also loved him as Keys and Predator too. Yep. Um, he was actually like, dude, he was great in the in Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. He played Mr. Mr. Jacob. Yeah, dude, he's um, a Point Break is my favorite Gary Busey yeah. movie. He's Gary Busey. Yeah, he's, he's a goddamn legend. Yeah, Anyways, right. he's a national. Leave Gary Busey alone. Right. He's the quintessential <laughs> cool drunk. Yeah. Look, guys, crazy if you, uncle. If you haven't heard of Gary Busey, I, I just wanted to suggest Ginger Dead Man. Ginger yeah. Dead Man to get your Gary he's Busey in this fix. Movie, <laughs> oh god, I'm blanking on the title. I have the tiger. Yeah. He's in this movie. This like this like kind of like Walking Tall, where he just plays this badass. And it, at first, I remember seeing the movie in my twenties, being like, "What is this?" Because I love like the like that genre of like vigilante, like man takes justice into his own hands kind of like movie. And I was like, and plus, I, you know, what I mean, I have the tiger is the greatest song ever recorded. Of course, we all know of that. Course. Yes. But I was like, what is this movie? And dude, I love it. It's a fucking great movie. Gary Busey. Anyways, which is another so, so, '80s movie. So, yeah. Silver, Silver Bullet. Bullet. Great movie. Um, it's probably my favorite. I think it, I like it better than The Howling. I think I actually like it more than. No, I don't like it more than American War of London. That, that I like them pretty much equally. Um, but it's just this really great. It's so one thing I I tried to talk to people. The script feels like reading Stephen King. Um, something about the script. I think it's the the dialogue between the brother and the sister really feels like like actually like Stephen King's writing. Um, so. Uh, Corey Haim, rest in peace, Corey Haim, plays the lead character. He's this boy in a wheelchair. Um, his sister is is now an older teenager, and she's trying to be cool. She's trying to hang out with friends, and she's kind of annoyed by her little brother. But they do have a really good bond. Um, 
He's just like a kid in this wheelchair. Gary Busey plays his like drunk uncle that his mom is trying to keep him away from. Gary Busey makes him this sweet ass fucking like motorized like wheelchair thing that's just bitching. Meanwhile, though, there's just a there's a there's a werewolf in town, um, and <laughs> there's chilling. like the chewing up all the kids. Yep, chewing up, and it's like vicious at one point. Um, oh man, look, that that kid's dad in this, the bald guy with the mustache. Like, oh yeah, that dude is incredible. Like. He's so over the top. But anyways, the movie's great. Um, it's got, like I said, I people like, like I've heard people like talk shit on the werewolf suit, which is like man in suit werewolf, but dude, I, I think it looks so scary. Yes. Yeah, um, the actor from like People on the Stairs, Twin Peaks, uh, I don't know why. Yeah, uh, the, the guy who wears a daddy suit. Yeah, uh, daddy suit. Daddy. What is his, yeah, what is He's his a great name? actor, but he plays the uh, preacher in this, the one-eyed preacher. Uh, yes, Everett McGill. Everett McGill, dude, he's, yeah. Perfectly cast in yeah. this. Spoiler alert: the priest is the werewolf. Yeah, it's um, a fucking bottle rocket to the yeah, eye. Yep, um, which is which is great. But yeah, I such a great movie. Yeah, it's um, just a perfect, perfect monster movie. It's like you get likable character lead characters. They're kids, so the danger seems more like you know, like you know. Yeah, you f- you feel bad for them. Like you feel right because if I, if I'm remembering it correctly, too, like Corey Haim's friend. Gets killed by the werewolf. werewolf. And that's, uh, the easy, that's when his dad is like, my son was torn to pieces. Yeah, like, that's right. Just, just this epic meltdown scene. But like, you feel bad. You feel bad for the yeah. kid. Uh, and even the werewolf, even the, like, there's a sequence when the, the preacher, and this is before you know who he is, but he's having this nightmare that like, he's giving the sermon and then the audience all starts turning into werewolves and he gets attacked. And the special effects are great. It's actually really scary. You're like, what is this? And then it turns into be a dream. But just a really, I mean, Great memorable moments, like it has the heart of like you know Stand by Me or one of those like the or like it where it's like you feel for these like young characters that are in like some crazy danger. Um, just it's a great like just a classic Stephen King, very underappreciated as far as like his the, you know his film adaptations, but just a great movie, good, strong, solid. Just especially because like people like there's tons of um, vampire movies, but there's. There's only a handful of really good werewolf movies, and I'm just surprised that this isn't held in higher esteem because it is one of the best werewolf movies. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Good pick. All right. So my number two, um, you're probably going to say, like, why, why didn't I put this on my list? Because um, I, I could imagine you'd really appreciate this, is uh, Wes Craven's Shocker. Is that, I thought that was 90s. 89. Wow. Okay. I double-checked it because I wanted so badly to put it on my list. Horace Pinker. Um, Great movie. He is just the most fucking uh, bitch Pelgrim from uh, X-Files. Yeah. Yep. Um, such a great actor. Um, he's just such a fucking horrible human being. Murderer. Um, it's about this guy, Horace Pinker, who uh, is just murdering people through town. Um, he finally gets electrocuted. Um, also another movie that's got a bitchin' soundtrack. It's freaking amazing metal. Alice Cooper, No More Mr. Nice Guy. Mm. Uh, love it. But basically he, he's able to kind of love the whole scene. He's like basically praying to Satan um, in his cell and his last every while. All he wants is a TV in there. And uh, he gets like electrocutes himself and the cop has to, uh, the guard has to try to revive him. And he just fucking bites onto the guard's lip and it like pulls it down just this crazy scene and uh they drag him off to the uh electric chair and he eventually becomes like immortalized he's, he's basically electric now he flows through the electrical mm-hmm. system yeah. um 
but it's kind of cool. He can, he can possess people as well. Um, there's another metal guy who plays one of the construction workers um, that he possesses, but he's just jumping around from people to people, and he takes a takes possession of them, and then he kind of jumps out when their life force is done. Um, yeah, the, the the main actor, though, that was in that um, also has done a lot of uh, really, uh, like, great directorial debut as well. Uh, he kind of left it on, um, trying to think, uh, Peter Berg. Oh, yeah, played, yeah, yeah. Uh, played Jonathan Parker in the movie. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, he, he kind of went on to do... Like a lot of behind the scenes stuff, he's directed some great movies. So, yeah. uh, definitely solid. But I, I just love this movie. It's fun. It's got a great soundtrack. It's people you care about. Um, Peter Berg's character kind of, it's got like a little bit, I don't want to say it's a speech impediment as much as it is like an accent. But he's like, Dad, Dad. <laughs> it's, it's Horace Pink and Dad. And like, but the, the, nobody has a family talks about that. He's adopted. So, Spoiler alerts. So <laughs> Peter Berg did Copland with Sylvester yeah, Stallone. Yeah, he's, he's a great director. Uh, <laughs> does some really great movies, but um, overall, just a really fun movie to watch, and it never gets old anytime I watch it. So I haven't watched it in probably a decade. I need to rewatch it. Yeah. I mean, it was. I think it was criticized at the time because it was like it almost felt like Wes Craven was trying to create like the next Freddy kind of like like they were like he was basically like you know like because like. He, you know, the character, the villain has, like, a lot of personality and, you know, like, but I remember, like, I remember having very low expectations when I watched it. And I was, I was like, damn, that was fun. Like, especially because, like, at that time, like, there wasn't a lot, like, 89, there wasn't a lot, of, like, like, the tail end of the 80s and going to the 90s, like, there wasn't, most stuff that was coming out was kind of shitty, so. And then, like, you know, the whole, like, electricity thing was very unique and, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was just a good, fun movie to watch. I think Shocker and then, like, the first two Wishmaster movies, I think. Oh, yeah, Wishmaster was awesome, too. I think those were, like, the movies at, the, at that end of the tail end of the 80s yeah. and going into the 90s where I was, like, still, like, thought there were some cool, fun, like, unique things happening. Yeah. That's there good. Was. Pick that. The good last one. What is your number one, my friend? So my number one is, is it my favorite movie of all time? It's possible. <laughs> it's uh, The Gate. Mm. So... I knew you were going to put this on here. It's the whole reason I didn't put it on here because I, uh, I knew you were going to put it it's on. It's like, I, in fact, I'm such a fan of this movie. Um, I think I've drawn for like a gate t-shirt for three different companies. Um, but one of them, actually, shout out to my friends from Rotten Cotton. Uh, if you guys like cool uh, listeners, if you like cool horror t-shirts, original design uh, horror t-shirts, check out, uh, uh, not Rotten Cotton, Atomic Cotton. Rotten Cotton's cool too, but my friends uh, in <laughs> Atomic Cotton. Um <laughs> Uh, because I'm such a fan of uh, the character Terry, played by Lewis Tripp, uh, who is the most perfect, wise-ass, pain-in-the-ass, like, best friend character. Yeah, gets um, him in trouble a lot. Yep. Yeah. But he was, like, this little, like, metalhead kid who's kind of a pain in the ass. Anyways, um, movie's just great. You got a young Stephen Dorff. He's, like, the perfect little 80s kid. You have this, like, something about... There's some... It takes place in, like, this little suburban street, but it feels like a ghost town. Like, you never see any adults except for, like, one sequence. But, like, the town feels empty. So um, there's some, some creepy vibe to it, even when it starts. And there's a lot of, like, weird dream sequences. But Stephen Dorff basically, create, like, plays this kid, and there's this, like, hole in his back, like, this just hole, like, a sinkhole in his backyard. Um, you know, meanwhile, his parents are going on vacation, and his older sister was told not to have a party. So, of course, what she does, she has a party. Uh, they play light as a feather. 
Um, you know, um, my favorite thing is like the, you know, the concept of like, uh, Terry is like, has this re- like record, like about like the, you know, the gates of hell. And like, if you, you know, listen to this. Backwards. Yeah. Anyways, it's just a great, there's like really memorable moments. Um, uh, the little demon monsters though, the little minion monsters in it, um, God, I love them. They're just little, like, one-foot little monsters, but, God, they look so cool. And then, they, you know, when they the big demon gets called up at the end, like, um, I just love it. They're little, like, stop-motion little cool guys. And um, But the movie, actually, weirdly enough, the movie scared me when I was a kid. Like, it's actually got some really scary moments, like when the dog, like, you know, the dead dog, and um, when the, they think the, their, their mom is there and it turns into be one of the demons and, like, Anyways, it's just a great movie. Um, soundtrack is dope. Um, but Lil Steven Dorf is so likable. And, like, he really, he, he played, like, the most quintessential, like, nice kid that just wants to do the right thing. And you guys, he's got his wise-ass best friend who just makes fun of everything and, like, starts shit with his older sister. And then all the older sister, like, the older friends are all dickheads and, you know, you want them to die. Um, uh, <laughs> like, the best. True, like a true 80s movie. But, dude, it's, like, it's, a <laughs> exactly. weird, it's like supposed to be for kids, but it's got some pretty intense things in it and like but i love the little de- the little monsters in there so cool design and you know it's got it's got that heavy metal el- influence it's got amazing monster designs it's got likable kids um i just it it's every like it and phantasm go i go back and forth as being like there's something in my heart that just goes to those movies just like make me so happy every time i watch it which i've seen 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 the gate countless times but Every time I watch it, it's almost like watching it for the first time. I just immediately get pulled into it, and like I said, it's 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 got this own vibe. It's like almost dreamlike. There's a lot of flashbacks or a lot of um like dream sequences or or like illusions happening in the movie. But mm-hmm. there's just something very creepy and I think really effective about the movie. And awesome. again, Terry is my one of my, probably my all-time favorite horror or uh, yeah horror movie character. Terry, shouts out to Lewis Tripp, who is actually um, the Gate Two is actually all about a teenage Terry who's. Uh, traumatized so anyways but yeah, yeah i've well, seen the gate oh, i've seen the gate too yeah. well i'm glad you mentioned the gate too because you know i gotta have a tank tidbit to close out your number one and i got one for your number one as well too but the gate and the gate too the trespassers director uh tabor takax i hope i pronounced that right went on to have a long successful career in television his talents were utilized on the outer limits which i love uh sabrina the teenage witch eh and, of course, Iron Chef's uh, Mark Dukakis's The Crow, Stairway to Heaven. With very average uh, TV shows. <laughs> Mark Dukakis, man. He's a badass motherfucker. I love Mark Dukakis. It, it was so separated from the actual movie, though. Like, it, it was just... It doesn't matter. It, he I, looked I, cool. I, I, Yeah, he, he did. That's all that matters. That's all. <laughs> Mark Dukakis's looked awesome. Yeah. So, all I'm right. finish you up around the corner to my Last number one. Last but not least... The fly. Of course. <laughs> you have two Cronenbergs on there. I'm yeah. Double Cronenberg. I didn't have any Cronenberg. Double Cronenberg. No, the fly is just a straight horror. I mean, it's a yeah. sci-fi element, but um, fucking scary-ass movie. Yeah. This was, number one, I love Jeff Goldblum. Of course. Really, you could do no wrong. And he was so great in this movie. He, again, it's one of those like sympathetic monster movies. Yeah. Um, he's just brilliant. I, I think... There are a couple scenes that I love. I love him recording the video about how, how the Brundle fly eats. Yep. Gets me every time. Um, I think the like animal combination 
um, scene is just so gross. Yeah. yeah. Um, just the, the things that could go wrong with human teleportation um, as well. And I just love the scene where uh, Gina Davis's uh, husband, like, or sitting uh, husband, right? Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, or boyfriend or whatever he is, like, goes there. And Jeff Goldblum just throws up on the guy's arm and just fucking melts <laughs> the shit out of it. So and he gets his leg. And I'm like, dude. I'm like, say what you want to say. But uh, that's just some badass special effects there. Um, the special effects in movies are uh, yeah. unrivaled. Yeah. The transformation is so Yeah, great. you cannot beat that. It is also um, at Universal Studios, they used to do this, uh, this whole... Um, special effects makeup show. Mm -hmm. um, every time uh, my parents would go to Florida every year, and every time we went to uh, Universal Studios, I didn't care about riding any of the other rides short of Back to the Future, which I loved. Um, going to Jaws and going to see the horror movie makeup show, which had like, was it very Alfred? It was it Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock? Hitchcock, yep. Um, but they would always do the fly thing at the end. Eventually they adapted to do other things. Um, sometimes they'd do American Motorway for London, but... They was they brought out the teleportation devices and they would try, do the try to transport. And oh, that's the funny awesome. Gag of like the guy's like, oh, it worked, and then he turns around. He's got these two little wings on his back, and it was be fun. <laughs> but it's just so many <laughs> different representations of the fly. Um, even the original fly, Noah Sunday's movie, is just thoroughly creepy. Oh yeah, no, the, um, the, the man Peter fly. Vincent, yeah, man or fly. Peter Vincent, the Vincent Price, yeah, the man fly caught at the end. Have it be, have it be. Um, it's great. So, um, yeah. It's a great movie. One of, one of my favorite movies. That's you know actually, what scene traumatized me as a kid wasn't even that. It's the arm wrestling scene oh. when that dude's bone breaks yeah. out of his yeah. skin. I remember because it was just so so real and like oh shit like that shit happens. I know did it just doesn't. Did you see? Did you watch Over the Top before you saw The Fly? Dude, I will watch anything with a professional arm wrestling in it. <laughs> I will see. I saw. It. So that's what I'm saying. You saw Over the Top and then you saw The Fly. Like I know that shit's real because Stallone did it. <laughs> yeah, the other scene that was like. It was very innocuous, but very creepy. It was the scene where he's like losing his fingernails, yep, and oh. like losing his teeth. Oh, and I was like, "Oh, that always creeped me out." I was, I was terrified of the dentist when I was a kid, and getting like a tooth pulled was like, "Oh, like just creeps me out." And just the fact he was like wiggling his tooth, he's like pulling it out. Oh. Like, oh, he had it all collected in the jar of like things. His ear falls off. Oh, I lost my ear. <laughs> I mean, like, ah! dude, there's certain movies where. The casting is so perfect that, like, you literally, nobody else could have done that role. And Jeff Goldblum, first off, he's, he's that weird, like, he's good-looking, but he's weird. He's, like, that long, like, he's tall and lanky. But he has that thing that, like, you can't teach, which is that, that weird in, in, inquisitivity. Like, he's, like, you, he's so, Brundlefly is so, like, fascinated by his own transformation. That's part of the creepy thing about it, that... Only Jeff Goldblum could do that right. The like, pacing of the, yeah, oh, yeah, just yeah. just this was and the kids and the Brundle fly. He says, "This is this is how he eats." Yeah, he just, you know, like it just you want that's to listen good, to what he a, says. That's a good. Uh, that's a decent Goldblum. Yeah, yeah. You just want to hear what he has to say, even though you know that at the end of the day, he's going to barf up on these donuts exactly like, but, with his acid. You know, but dude, um, what a great the characters, the yeah. makeup effects with the final fly. I've actually. So good. Yeah. But again, David Cronenberg, man, that guy's a goddamn yeah. genius. I got two tidbits. That's how much okay. I like this All movie. Right. Uh, first one, which kind of alludes to the second one, uh, produced by uh, Mel, Mel Brooks. Brooks. Yep. 
Which is really weird, that. right? You didn't know that? Yeah. No, yeah. No Mel Brooks. So I think I was just saying Cronenberg in the back of my mind, and that's like when I think of that movie. And so, was, and so, so what, where? I have a funny story about this, but go ahead. So where do? The, what's the most famous quote that you come from that movie? Do you do you know? I'll tell you because it's not really well known, but it's from when Gina Davis goes, "Be afraid, be very afraid," and that, that actually is a quote that many people have heard, but not everyone knows comes from the fly. Cronenberg uh, revealed in the commentary track that I, that iconic line was invented by Mel Brooks. And uh, while discussing how characters should react to the early stages of Seth Bundle's transformation, the quote also became one of the film's taglines. Yep. Your story, sir. So, when they went to, like, I think it was Cannes or something, whenever they went to present the movie, it was still Mel Brooks presents the fly, and then they, people were given, like, head and tunnels. <laughs> Everybody thought it was going to be like the they, Vincent they Price. Were given, they were given, silly. Yeah, they were given uh, and then an the real movie played. People like apparently threw up. Yes. People ran out. Like, yes, because awesome. they were like not <laughs> expecting it to be a David Cronenberg version of the fly. That is awesome. Yeah, dude, super yep. funny. Mel Brooks was a huge horror fan. That's yeah, yeah, I know that. I think that was like the second one he actually produced, like non comedic movie that he produced. He was also a big horror fan, LeBron James. Is he? LeBron yeah. James. Yeah, he actually was. James? Uh, he was trying to, uh, before it got stuck. Oh, in that's right. Yeah, he was trying to do. Copyright Hell. He was trying to reboot the. Uh, trying to reboot the, fan, the franchise for uh, Friday the 13th yeah. because he's such a huge fan. Um, because he thought, well, uh, Danny McBride. And David, David Green did it with Halloween because they were huge fans of Carpenter. Yeah. That he felt like he can add something to it. But, um, yeah, a lot of... That is copyright hell, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, the, copyright hell. But it's weird that celebrities are now, like, a lot of celebrities who are big horror fans are coming out. Um, I didn't know this until recently, but uh, apparently, like, Chris Rock was a huge fan of the Saw movies. And he and Samuel Jackson yeah. are going to be in the next Saw movie. Uh, <laughs> it was a great joke. Together. Uh, uh, I forget who said it. <laughs> Uh, where it was like, I think it was like Weekend Update. Uh, yeah, I think it was Weekend Update in SNL with uh, Michael Che, where it was like, uh, Chris Rock is going to uh, produce the new Saw movies. Uh, the new name is Seat. <laughs> uh, anyways. Yeah, that's a good way to close it. Oh, my God. Well, there, there, you, there, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a nice almost two-hour conversation here. May or may not be broken up. Uh, may or not may or may not have music in the beginning. Did y'all like the music? I, I love it. The, yeah, the music. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do some. I'll, I'll I'll make sure the first part has it. If we do split this up, um, this is probably my favorite episode so far. I think we had a good groove and we're, we're we're kind of getting our our feet. You oh, know, yeah. we're we're dipping into the pool a little bit more, right? Yeah. Actually, getting the groove of this. Well, it's always been a pleasure speaking with y'all guys, and we'll definitely see you next week. Thank you again for following us on Spotify and iTunes and giving us a five-star rating to your family, to your friends, to your grandma. And we'll see you on the next one.